At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. go baby here we go before we get started with anything i owe my man d gun a countdown so we are eight hours <laughs> and seven minutes away from red october see i usually give you an eagles countdown i'm going to give you a phillies countdown today because it is playoff time welcome in everybody yes sports take jacob sports youtube network on this Tuesday, Tuesday with a little more pep in our steps than we usually have. A yeah, Tuesday's buddy. a drag day. Not today, baby. We got playoff baseball. You all right? What's you all right, D Gun? What's happening? No, I, was, I was looking at the sun coming through the window. I thought I left papers on the couch over here. You can't see this, but I got a whole. I'm folding clothes, and I and I wanted to make sure they were out of the way and not. I thought in you the- had. I thought an intruder broke in, and you were you were you were. I, I was about to have to. You know, get over there, take care of business. You no, know, some people like, like to joke. Like some people like to joke. I thought one of my talking fish in the background started moving. It was starting to sing. And can you uh, do that for us? Can you get up and hit one of those bad boys? Can they do it? Yeah, there ain't no fake fish on my wall, brother. What's wrong with you, man? Come on. I remember at your desk yeah. at Comcast Sports that you had. Remember the one that with the one you would hit the button and it would sing. Yeah, it Billy Bass. Who, who trying to figure out? Somebody gave me that as a gift. Yeah, and um. Uh, it, it when you when you press the button, it was Billy Bass, and it was saying "Rolling uh, Tina Turner's on Rolling on the River, yes, Rolling yes. on the River." Yeah, and it would do something else like "Don't worry, be happy," or so. I forget what else it did. It, yeah, it did a couple different. I had things. a Billy Bass, and there was one. It was a trout. It was a trout that did that, and I yeah. think that was saying "Don't worry, be happy." Yes. Trout also. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. 
Who gave me those? As a matter of fact, you still have that? No, I look. If it is, it's down in that mausoleum. I call a base. Get that? No, we don't want you digging in there. You might never come back. So if I go down there and and do what you did, see you, you, you are, you are real. So you took people in your crawl space. If I take this camera down in my basement, my wife, wherever she is in the in the region, she will stop what she's doing, come (laughs) home, and give me the five dollar lecture on how embarrassing that was to show that basement. That basement. When we moved here, I had so many grandiose plans for that basement. Now, three kids, grandkids stuff. It looks like, I told you, it looks like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs had a gang fight in my basement. Yes, it's storage now at this point. Terrible. It's just terrible, man. What's up, friends? What's up, John Dickerson, Joey B, Andres, Eagles fan, Tyler, Chris D, MC, Sweenbowl, Philly 559, 501 Philly, Tyler, Anthony, whoever I missed, Hit me back, hit us back on the chat, and uh, I'll give you a little love. So I appreciate each and every one of you guys hanging out with us in our new time slot. Yes, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Everything's the same. We just moved it up uh, a second. So I appreciate Yeah, a little earlier for some. Andres, it's 8 a.m. Joey B., it's 9 a.m. Uh, yeah, we, 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 got, uh, we got a lot going on today. So what's up, Mo? Here's what we have today. We have uh, at 12 o'clock, Sal Palantonio is going to join us. So we'll talk Eagles and NFL with Sal and, and preview the Rams game. At 1230, Scott Lauber from the Inquirer. What's up, Brandon? Scott Lauber from the Inquirer at 1230. Uh-oh. Tyler, you're right. Devin, Devin Witherspoon, who is a, a beast, we'll get into in a second. Um, there's a lot of questions. A- as far as rotation goes, who gets that fourth slot? B, who's active, who's inactive for the Phillies? What's the starting lineup going to be? Is he going to go heavy righties because it's a lefty? Does that mean we don't see Brandon Marsh? I, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered here for sure. Uh, yeah, what's up, uh, Bry Guy? Bry Guy M68. Yeah, uh, what's going on? What's going on? Bella. Joey B. Hey, yeah, hey, so. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Because I know you are stoked for Red October. I yeah, like I don't know how I'm making it to late o'clock, but yes. Okay. So you being the consummate Philadelphia fan, I need to ask you a question that entails two parts. All right. Number one, I need your intense fandom opinion, and number two, your professional analytic opinion of what concerns you about the Phillies against this Marlins team. Okay. Uh, fandom wise, I think the Phillies win this series. Uh, I would be really surprised if they lose the first game. I think, I think Wheeler, this is kind of both. I'm wearing both hats. I think Wheeler goes out and deals tonight. I think Wheeler is going to be excellent tonight. Um, so I feel really good about Wheeler on a number of levels. Fandom wise, there is Derek. There is absolutely unequivocally two things that scare the heck out of me here. okay? Okay. One, Aaron Nola. I have no idea tomorrow night what that's going to look like. I have no idea. And you, you're on the edge of your seat until he's out of the game. Like, yeah. great for four innings and then loses mine in the fifth. So uh, I have no idea what that's going to look like fandom-wise. And I'll be honest with you. If this is a one or two run, even three run game, and we go into the eighth, or let, let, let's say Wheeler goes seven tonight, which is possible, okay? And Absolutely. you're up two. It's it's three one, Wheeler comes out. I'm scared to death of of the setup and the close because like I feel good that Kimbrough got a lot of rest. I think that could really help him. Um, but I don't. 
feel wholly confident in him. I don't feel confident. I feel a little more confident in Alvarado than I did, but not confident. Sir Anthony scares me. And I'm really curious to see if Thompson is going to use Hoffman or the kid Kettering in high leverage spots. Because I think if Thompson gave him truth serum, he'd tell you the same thing. He's a little worried too. So uh, I would say that fandom-wise, NOLA, bullpen. Uh, analytically, I think the Phillies win the series. But game two is the one. That is the one that, that should really worry if you're a Phillies fan. Okay. That makes right. sense. Yeah, you you said exactly what I thought you would say. And, and I agree with you 100%. Um, once you get past Wheeler, I don't know what to expect from any of these guys, to be honest with you. Alvarado, I like your angle on Alvarado, but here's my concern about him. Even when he's got the job done, he throws too many pitches to get to his final destination. You know, he'll strike out the first batter, all of a sudden the bases are loaded, and he's got to throw 35, 40 pitches just to get three outs in an inning. And with this this good contact hitting Marlins team, all you got to do is groove one mistake, and somebody's jumping. I just – and they're good on the base pass. They can steal bases, yeah, though. They're so um, good. Yeah. You're right, Derek. You're right. I don't – I mean, look, the Alvarado's been a little bit better. Sir Anthony's had a bad year. I mean, he just has. He's had a bad year. Um, and Kimbrell was good until I think he hit the wall, so maybe this rest does him some good, and that helps him. So that could that could be big. Uh, you know, Thompson is very um, – a big believer in the lefty-righty thing. With all these lefties, I'm curious if he goes with an outfield of Pache in, le- in left field and center field, uh, I think it'll definitely be Rojas. But that's a little risky with those two bats. I would just – even though they both had nice years, better than we thought, I think. But I would still go Marsh in left field, even though he's left-handed. But I'm going to be curious to see what happens there. All right. Now, I have to ask you this also, Mr. Philadelphian. Um, now, let me preface it by saying in no way, shape, or form I see this happening. Yeah. But because baseball, well, sports, and especially playoffs are also unpredictable at times, what does the fan base and the media uh, media contingent say if the Marlins shocked the world and oust this team in the first round? Wh- where do they start pointing the fingers? Oh, boy. Um, I think they'll probably blame... Dave Dombrowski for uh, not doing more to bolster the bullpen. If you think about it, they brought Lorenzen over at the trade deadline. And at first it looked like the greatest move in ever. And, okay. and since then he's been a disaster where he may not even be active for this series. Jeez. So that's where, that's where he'll get it. I think that's where the heat will go. Now, obviously if some player stinks up the joint, makes four errors or Aaron Nola is going to catch hell if he doesn't pitch well, and everybody's going to want him out of town because he's a free agent. That's definitely coming. But I think it's going to be on Dombrowski for not bolstering the bullpen more than he did. That would be my guess. Okay. All right. right. I'm just it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for tonight. I actually, you know, I wish they were earlier, selfishly. And not that not that eight's late in terms of staying up. I just I just want the game. I, I want to play the game. I don't want to wait so long. But anyway, so that they're at 8 o'clock. Eagles, Derek, uh, preparing for the Rams here. Tuesday's traditionally the off day, which it is. And yep. then they get back at it, and they, they go about the game plan tomorrow. These guys rest. They they rehab. They go in for treatment on Tuesday. Tuesday is generally, for the players, their favorite day of the week because they can they can relax a little bit and, and just heal. Um, and there are some guys who need to heal. There's some question marks now. You know, we don't know about Jurgens in the foot. We know he's in a walking boot. 
you know, that's, that's a, that's a major, major question mark. So Opeta came in and did a nice job for them. I, I, can, t- I can tell you this from yeah, what, what I'm told, hearing? yeah, from what I'm told on Jurgens, minimum two weeks, hmm. but they're, they're confident it's not a Liz Frank type injury. Okay. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And look, if that's the worst case, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. You know, it could be a lot worse. Okay. That's good to know. The other thing I wonder about Derek, do we see uh, Sydney Brown? And do we see Justin Evans come back because they need depth at that back end badly? I mean, they, they really need a, here's what I, in my opinion, what they, what they need worse than anything else. They need a nickel corner, put Bradbury back on the outside and you kind of got to live with whoever's next to uh Blankenship. I, I'm not a big fan of Terrell Edmonds. I'm hoping one of those two guys is ready to roll. Yeah, I agree. Um, as weird as this sounds, <clears throat> you're going to need every man you can get for this matchup this week, especially if Cooper Cup is coming uh, coming back to make his debut. Um, and we'll get the, we'll talk about this all week. But this kid, Nikoa and, and Atwell, have really opened up the Rams' passing game. They're young, you know. Uh, Nikoa is, is 22. Uh, Atwell's only 23. They're young, energetic, hungry, right? Um, and they've really opened up the passing game. Cooper, if he comes back, if he's deemed healthy enough to play, that's three receivers. The Eagles have to figure out how to cover. And you're talking about – I've watched some film on this Nikoa kid. This kid's an excellent route runner. Yeah, you, know, you can tell he's been studying under cup. Mm-hmm. You can tell. You, that's a great point. He, he has a lot of cup tendencies. You're yes. right about that. Yep. Yes. And what is this defense's biggest problem? Covering receivers. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you, you know, you, I expect them to beat the Rams just based on matchup, you know, personnel for personnel. Yeah. But – this 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 team's pass coverage just scares me to death right now. And unless Howie, I'll, I'll, I'll say this to now, and we're and we're we're just completed week four, heading into week five. If Howie stays status quo with these young kids, and that's not a bad thing because we believe they all have potential, we see the potential. But if he stays status quo and doesn't make an addition, and by making an addition, I mean deleting Terrell Edmonds and adding another vet presence back there. This pass coverage is going to be its Achilles heel all season. I agree. I, I think if, if, if it – here's the problem, Derek, because you put so much pressure on your D-line to either get a sack or really impact the quarterback on plays where you don't, it feels like they're, they're, you know, the other teams are really taking the Eagles apart. Like I, I can't imagine that, that McVay's game plan this week for a couple of reasons, isn't for Stafford just to get it out quick. A, that works against the Eagles. And yep. B, he's dealing with the bad hip, and you don't want him to have to take a lot of hits, you know, if possible. So you're yeah. going to see the same thing that Hal did last week, I would think. Um, You know, in a copycat league, why not? And especially because of uh, Stafford with that hip. Now, McVay has already said that he should be good to go um, for this game on Sunday. You know, the Rams right now are C-level. They're watching, they're watching the 49ers and the Seahawks closely. They don't want to get too far behind. They're playing this game in their stadium out there. Now, you know a good contingent of Eagles fans are going uh, out to that game. Oh, man, they're going to take that thing over. They're going to take it over. Yeah. If nothing else, you know, it's a trip to Los Angeles. People want to go to L.A. Plus. A lot of people want to see this SoFi Stadium. Let's yeah. face it. Yeah. It's one of the new wonders of the NFL. Um, and you consider how many billions they paid to build that thing. I'd like to go. I mean, if I look, we work and all that, but if I was just a fan, I'd love to go out. Love to. Now, see, I would go to I would go to that stadium. Here's where I make the exception. I would go to that stadium in Vegas, this new stadium. Same. And I would not worry about 
I would not worry about my primary criteria of going too early and having to leave too early. I would I would go early, get to my seat in plenty of time, soak in all the ambiance and, the, yeah. and you know critique the pluses and the minuses of the stadium, and then I wouldn't mind leaving and getting stuck there an hour hour and a half after a game trying to get out of the parking lot because I'm not in a hurry to go anywhere. I mean it's a it and it's a one o'clock game out there, so by four o'clock you still have your evening. If you, even if you get out at six o'clock, you still have a good portion of your evening to enjoy whatever you want to go see in the Los Angeles area. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of in Vegas, you know, Vegas is Vegas, you know, I'm not gambling, but I will say this. I would just go there because the Vegas has expanded so much in terms of being more family friendly. Oh, tons of shows. I mean, everything. yes. You know, um, when my brother, when my brother was performing, <laughs> Tina, Tina goes, sure. Tina, why do you continuously doubt me? I'm, <laughs> I'm as real as real gets Tina. Why Tell him, you- Tina. Thank you, Tina. Hi. Yeah. You know, really, really. But anyway, Tina likes to, oh. likes to, Likes to get when on. My, I like that. She keeps you on my, your toes. Yeah. When my brother um, uh, was playing uh, from Legends in Concert, he did a summer in in Vegas, and my oldest daughter and um, and her husband went out to see him and spent a, a good weekend out there with him. And they talked about all the different things, the restaurants and the different things you can look at, more so than just gambling casinos. Yeah. You know. So I would go out to Vegas just to soak in that ambience in a, in the new look Vegas, so to speak. Absolutely. As well as as well as that Raider Stadium. I like to see that stadium. Yeah, I would too. I, 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 they're both trips. I would, would, would be a lot of fun. I, I'm thinking, you know, I've never been, this is just strictly football. I'm not, not weather or city or, or anything like that. I've never been to Kansas city stadium. And now I, from, and you've been there a ton. I know that, but what, what I would say is from yeah. what I hear, yeah. it's such a cool atmosphere that I would, I would love just from a football fan to check that one out. That's one well, I haven't K- been to Kansas city. Yes. Um, Kansas City and Seattle are two of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. Yeah. Um, both of those stadiums, I've been there multiple times and I've come away. My ears were ringing the next day mm-hmm. from the, those stadiums. I mean, they're just that loud. Plus, Seattle's just a great city to visit anyway. Yeah, Seattle just looks so cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's a reason why it's called the Emerald City. I mean, everything is green. The, the food uh, is great. The downtown ambiance, if you just want to walk around downtown, the ambiance is so it's so surreal for a city of its size It's so surreal, you know, and you hear a lot of, um, you hear a lot of street musicians playing. Um, it's not a flute. I, I forgot what you call it, but you can hear it from the distance. It's like, um, there's a lot of, uh, Indian, uh, in, in sitar or something like that, or not what it's called, but it's so, so beautiful. Just echoing across downtown. Of course you got the fishermen's, you know, wharf and all this stuff in, in the marketplace down there. Um, Kansas city, you go to Kansas City for two things, football and barbecue. Yep. You know, and Kansas City has multiple, arguably some of the best barbecue spots in America. No yep. question about it. That's and I argue, with Andy, I argue with Andy Reid all the time about his favorite spot compared to my favorite spot. <laughs> you know, and I've never had a bad barbecue in Kansas City. Yeah. Never, you know. Can't go wrong. Can't go but wrong. Mostly, you're right. The, in the fandom, the fandom passion um, in Kansas City is second to none for football. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that was I I agree with you that the Eagles fans I believe will take if anybody in in the chat is going, let us know let us know I'd be curious if anybody's headed to the game this week I know we have some of our friends in the chat live in Los Angeles so if you're going or if you're if you're going from Philly or anywhere else you know around the country or the world for that matter uh, hey, let us uh, know real quick where was it here uh, Destro nine DT ninety five um, you took the words right out of my mouth. 
We have over 200 live watching and growing, but only 16 likes. Hey, people, hit the like button. Come on now. Come on. What are we doing here? Pop that like button. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate it. Hook us up. We would appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Andres. Andres is from LA. So that's cool. He's going to the game. All right. Very good, Andres. Good for you, man. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Yeah. I think I, I would, I remember back in 17 when the Eagles played the Rams. Obviously, we know what happened in that game. That's the game Wentz got hurt, but they won the game anyway. But, like, how crazy that was. And then I think it was earlier. It was earlier in the year. Remember the Chargers at that point were still playing at, like, a soccer stadium? Yes. I was there for both, yes. Right. You were there. Of course, you were there. So, But um, that was unbelievable. I mean, both games were just total. It sounded like Eagles home games. I mean, completely. It it was crazy. Um, The the soccer stadium was pretty cool, though. It it was like your unconventional football yeah. environment you know and we were sitting up in press boxes that looked like glorified high school press boxes <laughs> yeah. but the weather was great right. field conditions were great and you're right it was an eagles home game it was crazy um, yeah the, the ones there's so many that stand out Derek. like but i remember in this i'm going back a long time i think it was like oh three the eagles played in miami and uh Westbrook had a big game. I think he threw a touchdown pass on a, on a halfback option to like Freddie yeah. Mitchell or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a total takeover, you know, down there in Miami. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. Tina, Tina knows me. She knows me. I do just want to go see Tay Tay. You are correct, oh, Tina. Right, no argument. Right. There. Let me ask you that. I got to stop the press. I got to ask you this. Yes. Because I've, I've been in so many debates about this and most people agree with me, but I'm not going to taint your opinion. All right. All right. Taylor Swift, strong? Yes, strong. Yeah. Uh, okay, so very strong wheels. Uh, yeah, strong. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. Too skinny. Yes. Too skinny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, yes. Right. Two thumbs up on Tay Tay. And, and and can we stop the 17, 18 takes uh, shots of Tay Tay? Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree with that. Of, now, of, here, here's what's happening. And hugging Mama Brooks, Mama, John, Mama Diggerson, John Diggerson. I ain't saying nothing, brother. I ain't saying nothing. You ain't getting me, bro. I ain't saying a word. Yeah, it's okay. I, look, I think I'm in the minority here. Not not a not a, not a lot of fans in the in the chat. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um, no, I I think here's what's happening, Derek. And I, I'll just uh, you know what I'll I'll give you this before we even do our football segment. Why not? So. Um, the Chiefs-Jets game on Sunday night. Now, keep yep. in mind, th- this game set up to be unbelievable, with that, but with Aaron Rodgers going down, it took a lot of steam out of it, right? All right. Yes, yes. It still drew 27.5 million viewers, which is the second most watched game of the season, only behind the very first game of the year between Detroit and Kansas City, which is the Thursday night game, which kicked off the season. Now, do I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's the Super Bowl champions? It's in New York. Yes, I do. <clears throat> but you can't tell me that Taylor Swift doesn't doesn't impact that. Why I bring that up is this is why these producers and directors are giving you six thousand cutaways every second of her. They're just milking this thing as much as they could possibly milk it. The the NFL is the best marketing into the best sports marketing entity on the planet. Bar none. They know exactly yep. what they're doing. And let's face it. Um, when you talk about that, that Jets game against Kansas City. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of football fans are saying, I'm not watching that mess. It's going to be like Custer's last stand. 
Right. But I guarantee you, people were looking at it on their apparatus, different apparatuses and stuff. And all of a sudden they see it's a close game. And they're like, wait a minute, I got to check. I got to check. What? I got to yeah. see this. Yep. You know, Zach Wilson's actually playing decent. I got to see this. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you got the Tay Tay followers as well. I'm like, okay, one shot is enough. After that, I heard clapping for Travis and, and her hugging Mama Kelsey. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. See, I guess I look at it. I agree with you. And I like if I'm a fan, I'm like enough already. It's overkill. But I always I always have like a producer's hat on, too, when I watch these things. And I kind of get why they're doing it. Um, But believe me, I can get where it's enough already with people. I trust. And here's the problem. It's cute for a minute. Like maybe maybe the the first two weeks. eh, It's kind of cute. But if this is happening by like weeks, you know, like four weeks from now, it's going to be like. Dude, I have to see her every time Travis catches a pass or, or whatever. You know, that, Get ready. then it gets crazy. Get ready. It's going to happen. It's a given. <laughs> it's going. You know why? Because look at how many primetime games Kansas City has, number one. Oh, every week. And then look at how many different networks those primetime games on. Yep. And they've already identified. Now, when they do the track, the numbers. Okay, we know X amount of people, a million or millions are watching because it's Mahomes. But the numbers go up significantly because of the ISO shots. We have to do it too. Yep. Right? Copycat league, as they say, Derek. Yeah. Copycat league. Yes. It just it just just takes away from the from the ambiance of watching gladiators go at it. I don't want to see this. I don't need to see this. You know, I more than mind. once. I don't mind. Yeah, it's all good. You don't mind. No. I mean, yeah. afterwards, like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right, okay, I see. You know, right. you know. Right. She's, she's a good singer, the most popular singer on the planet. Okay, fine. You know, heavy on the makeup. I get it. All right. You know, that kind of stuff. Rob's enamored with it. You know, probably heavy has the makeup. You know, probably has it on a playlist in his car when he's driving around. Probably I has one of my favorite hits. You know, I, I, I was indoctrinated, indoctrinated into uh, Taylor Swift a uh, long time ago with, with, a, with my daughter when she was like four. So believe me, I've been listening to her for a long time. I saw her do the national anthem at the Phillies game, game three of the 2008. And she was a kid doing the, uh, I think she was like 18 years old or whatever. Um, this wow, is interesting. You know here's, yeah. two, here's two pertinent comments right here. Well, first right. of all, number one, Joey B. Come on, Rob E. You're going to be watching every Chiefs game, LOL. And D-Gun, M. Reyes. D-Gun wants to watch men tussle with his pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> That's the truth of this. A lot of people are suggesting in the chat that it's a drinking game now. So whenever there's a cutaway to Taylor Swift in, in the box or wherever, you got to take a shot. The problem is you won't remember the game because there's yeah. going to be so many cutaways to her. You'll be, you'll be on the Rob, floor. Rob. Yeah. Jo- Joey B said, Robbie, Tay Tay in leather pants or shorts. <laughs> yes. On both. <laughs> Yeah, is there is there a both of the above? Uh, all the above? Oh, anyway. uh, Pete Rose, you cold for that, man. Pete Rose, you cold. Don't put that comment up, Rob. I'm not. Trust me. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So, real quick, last night I wanted to hit you with this. It was a garbage game. We'll get we'll get to some of the things that that, that happened that were of interest later. But the Giants got their doors blown off, and um, yeah. I'm really shedding a lot of tears. It's so sad when that happens. But anyway, uh, if you saw in the game that. They tried to do a tush push. I don't know if you saw this and didn't get it, right? So not only did they not get it, right? they had two guys get hurt. Their offensive, one of their offensive linemen and their tight end both got hurt trying to do the play, okay? 
And after the game, Dable says they only ever walk through the tush push, never practiced it live. Yep. Didn't yep. weren't successful and got two guys hurt. Like we're, we've we saw it, I think five times this week, Derek, around the league, where teams tried it and didn't get it. Like this notion that anybody can do it, they can't. The Eagles have mastered this thing, and they they run laps around everybody else with this play. They just Here, do. Here's the thing. Here's here's the reason why I saw I saw at least four. You yeah. might see five. I, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. First of all. You don't have the, the other teams that try don't have the best offensive line collectively in the NFL. Number one, yeah. Number two, none of these teams have a quarterback that's squatting six hundred pounds. That's a significant reason why this play works. The leg drive from the offensive line and a quarterback that squats six hundred pounds is the difference in between success and failure. Yeah. You saw you saw the Giants try to do it last night, and the offensive line plus Daniel Jones stood straight up. There was no push forward. They all stood straight up. And the play and go anywhere. There's a difference. If you're going to try to emulate it, you know, study why it works for Philadelphia and it does, it can't work for your team. Right, right. Big the other thing is um, Jordan Mailata, who actually is a rugby player, was a rugby player. You know, everybody says it's a rugby play. Yeah. Okay. This guy actually was a professional rugby player. Okay. So he, he knows of what he speaks. So he said, I'm not going to use, you, you know, Jordan will use colorful language from time to time. Yep. He said it's a, a a BS thing when you call it a rugby play. It's not a rugby play. And it's successful because we have a quarterback who's stronger than any other quarterback in squat 600 pounds. And we block it up. That's why it's successful. Not because it's a rugby play. So yeah. that's coming from a guy who actually is a rugby player and an NFL player. Well, Rob, I mean, you're going to be a little bit surprised. The Philadelphia Inquirer just uh, revealed the, uh, uh, the Phillies postseason roster. Oh, no. The roster. You're going to be a little surprised. Maybe you won't be. You'll okay. see one name that jumps out at you, and I want to say, are you surprised? No, I, I'm not surprised. Yes. You surprised? At what? I don't know what it is. What did you, are you going to tell me? What, 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 oh, what? Michael Lorenzen left off. I'm not surprised. I told you I thought he'd be left off. Yeah. Okay. I'm, All right. I'm not surprised one bit. Is Weston Wilson on the roster? Uh, the Eagles have opted for extra bench players. Weston Wilson is in Michael Lorenzen left off. That's they want the righty against a heavy lefty first two starters are left-handed and the bullpen is very heavy left-handed. Okay. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. D gun. All right. And we're going to talk to Scott Lauber who, who put it out there about this too, uh, coming up at, uh, at 1230. So, all right, so let me let me I'll give everybody who it is. Um no Lorenzen, as Derek said, they opted for an extra bench guy, utility man, and Weston Wilson. Only 12 pitchers for the best of three. So you need more for the for the deeper series. You don't need as many in these. Uh, you know, right, we'll right, right, right. Uh Wilson hit 31 uh home runs in the minors. Uh who else? Okay. Uh Rob Thompson hit it over the weekend. Hinted over the weekend that he was leaning towards Christian Pache because of his defense. Lefty hitting Brandon Marsh is hitting 229 against left-handers. So I, I would think it's probably going to be Pache. I mean, I can't blame them. Lorenzen has a 796 ERA in five starts, and then he got pushed to the bullpen. You know, after those first two starts, he was a disaster. Um, and Keckering, I believe, is on uh, Kirkering, I believe, is on the uh the roster as well. So that's a 
Okay, here we go. Real Muto Stubbs, Bohm, Harper, Edmundo Sosa, Bryson Stott, Trey Turner, your infielders, your outfielders are Nick Castellanos, J.K., Brandon Marsh, Christian Pache, Johan Rojas, Kyle Schwarber, and Weston Wilson. So that that is uh, that is okay. definitely official. I'm good. I'm good with that. For the life of me, I can't – I still don't understand how Lorenzo fell off the map the way he did after that no-hitter. I mean, uh-huh. even if he leveled out – Fitness Rebel. Fitness Rebel taking shots. Supposed Woo! to be the Phillies roster. Way to, tweak, way to tweak him, Fitness Rebel. You know uh-huh. what? After the way uh, they, I saw that Eagles punter uh, this past oh. Sunday, hey, Sipples could be back. Hey, he's not. Uh, you don't write him off. You don't write him off. I, yeah. I don't know. I think I should go back to that. I don't know what happened to Lorenzen either. I mean, I get it if the next start, you know, maybe he's not on his A game because he threw more pitches than he usually throws. But there's no way it should have carried over this far. Absolutely no that. chance. It should have carried that. over. He started uh, out his first down and he goes eight innings. Yeah. Next outing, he throws a no-hitter. Yes. And you're thinking, okay, he's good for at least a minimum, minimum, even on a bad day, six innings the way he pitched those first two games yeah. from that point on. Dude, he was like, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah. Not I, even I, mediocre, I, just a disaster. He he was a gas can. Yes. I mean, he was bad. He I, was I was bad. just hoping he would be decent. I don't know. I can't even put decent attached to his name. No, no, not even. Look, this is the right thing. He shouldn't be on the playoff roster. Um, Christy question. Uh, anytime to talk about Harden not showing up for media day. No, absolutely, Chris. And, and we and we did um, we did touch on it yesterday, but we, we can talk about it. Um, here's the big question I have. Their, their training camp is at Colorado State University. Okay? Yep. They flew out yesterday after media day, and Harden was not at media day. The question is, Derek, and I know yep. you, you – there's a lot of stuff being floated around the NBA. Yes. That thinks he will go there and be disruptive. He will go there and try and try and create even more of a problem. You know, I, I would just assume he not even show up if that's what it is. Uh, but I, knowing him, I think he will show up and be disruptive. I do. I don't think he'll just sit it out. If he wants to be traded, Rob, after what he has said and done this summer. It's in his best interest to stay away and just lay low and to see what the what the Sixers can get for him. If he keeps putting logs on this fire, it's handcuffing the Sixers in terms of teams that may even want him. His past history is well documented in terms of how he's gotten out of other teams and gotten away from other teams. Um, why would you put another log on the fire? Why would you add more lighter fluid to this, this already still hot fire? Let this fire smolder a little bit, you know, and the bigger problem is Clippers don't want him, which is where he wants to go. Yeah, he's upset. That's the thing. Like, dude, you know, first of all, it's not about just placing you in the best spot that you can be placed in. It's about doing what's best for the team, man. And the other part is, Derek, I think the whole time he's been cutting off his nose despite his face. Yes. Yes. If you had just. Made it clear to them you want traded, but you're not going, you know, nuclear where you're uh, Daryl Moore is a liar and all that. If you're not doing all that kind of stuff, it's a lot easier to get you out of there to another spot if you want out of the Sixers so badly. And if I'm a team, I'm like, do I want to take this on? I want to take on all the nonsense you get with this guy? No. I, I honestly believe had he kept his mouth closed the entire summer, yeah, this would have traded him somewhere by now. He would have traded him by now. 
Right. So I, I, have a, I have a strong belief that teams have backed off because of what he's done. And because if I'm a GM of a prospective team that's even interested in a James Harden, I have to look seriously at what he's done. Now, let's say it's a team he doesn't want to go to, and he goes there begrudgingly. And you feel you have a nucleus that can compete. You may not be an upper echelon team, but you may be a team that can get into the playoffs, which is a move in the right direction in your progression of trying to get better. Do I need this dude on my roster causing tension every day, especially if he's pouting because he doesn't want to be there? Yeah. Then my coach has to deal with this. Us as a front office has to come out and answer questions about this. Do we really want this? And I think that has turned a number of teams off and the Sixers are stuck. If I'm the Sixers, you know, I may, I may get to a point where I pull what the bears are pulled with the chase Claypool. James stay home. Just stay home. home. Just, yeah. just stay home. Yep. You know, now if they tell him to stay home, they've got to pay him. Now, if he, you know, you already, you imagine he's going to stay home. If he stays home on his own, you get to find him and you don't have to pay his salary. You save yourself a lot of money. But if you verbally tell him to stay home, you got to pay him. Yeah. So I would just let this thing play. As a matter of fact, if I was a Sixers, I wouldn't even be inquiring of other teams right now in terms of, hey, do you want James Harden? I'd sit back and wait because you know what's going to happen. Some teams are going to get a little skittish. They're going to come out of the gate. They're going to see, uh-oh, we need this. We, yeah. we need score. We need scoring. We need scoring. Yeah. We know James Harden is the score. Yep. You know, we're, we're winning. We're above sea level. But – we need somebody to get us to that next level. James Harden offensively can do that. Defensively, we know it's a liability. But then again, there's a lot of big-time players in the NBA who are defensive liabilities. Oh, yeah. I mean, that yeah. that is what it is. You, you, I mean, you look, you know what you're getting. I mean, you, he's a guy – it's not like he won't pass the ball. He led the league in assists. But you, you right. know he's a guy who, at heart, he's told you this even after the season ended, that he sacrificed his game last year. First of all, that, that should be what you're evolving your game into. But – you know, he'll score for you, but he's not going to defend much. And he's a, you know, he could be a pain in the ass. I mean, there's a lot going yeah. on with James. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I, I I think he shows up and and is a disruptor rather than just yeah. staying out of it. That would be my guess. So do you uh, think he'll be there today? Now, if he is, we'll find out real quick. Yeah, we're going to find out quick. Uh, it's, yeah, 9, whatever it is, 9.30. Six. Yeah, that's two hours. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think he'll be there today. I think yeah. he'll be there today. Yep. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Because, and I don't know that he's. He, I don't think he's going to walk in and be, you know, throwing water balloons at Daryl Morey. But I think he's going to be there, and you're going to get. <laughs> that actually be pretty funny, actually. Um. But no, I think what you're going to get, Derek, is you remember remember when Ben Simmons showed up and he was just like mopey and. He's got the cell phone in his pocket and all all of that nonsense. I think it's going to be subtle stuff like that. You know, that's what I think it's going to be. And then you'll have leaks to Shams and Woj and all those guys. And you're going to hear the, uh, you know, James Harden is still, believe me, there's more to come, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, dude, grow up. John John Dickerson, you're wrong for that. It's Taco Tuesday at the strip club. So no, not today. You're wrong for that, John. You're wrong. He likes the buffet, too, I like so he it. may not be there. I like you know, it, but you're wrong for that. afternoon practice. All right, uh, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. We're going to look at some Eagles numbers here, Derek. See where they are offensively, defensively, where they rank, uh, where Hurts, where Swift, surprises, disappointments. We'll do all that. Sal Pal at noon, 1230, Scott Lauber. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, 
you're hungry. I'm hungry. What a better way to start the day than get a, get a slice or something else. We'll tell you about what else they have. I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family owned since 1985. Bravo Pizza is absolutely the best. They have 20 different styles of pizza daily, slices to go. They have the grandma, which I get. Um, they have specialized pizza the way that you want, but you may not be up for pizza. Uh, they have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. And Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. Um, they have fundraisers where what they make goes back to the schools, to the charities, to the Little Leagues, and any of those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, PA. That's 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. 
Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Sports Take. Smash that like button if you could, friends. We would appreciate it. He's Derek. I'm Rob. Uh, we are hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Top of the hour, Sal Palantonio, 1230. Scott Lauber. We'll get the latest from Scott. What's going on with the Phillies as they prep for uh, the Marlins tonight? Red October in full effect. Eagles, of course, in L.A. on Sunday taking on the Rams. going to be a lot of fun as well all right wanted to wanted to give you hit you with this derek yes sir and this is courtesy of uh of the ringer and actually it was uh i, I read it on uh bleeding green nation today uh, our buddy brandon lee gowton um but but interesting a couple different couple different things to to look at here when it comes to uh jalen hurts out of the pocket okay yeah. which you know we saw last year some of the steps that they the eagles took and you know, certainly Jalen took monster steps, you know, right. and, and areas where they have to get better. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think one of the areas that Jalen's got to get better at is out of the pocket throws, you know, and and he hasn't been nearly as successful with that as he was, uh, you know, last year and and I think the year before. And, and I, you know, you wonder why there's a bit of a step back. And I, and I think some of it is attributable to the fact that, Hey, look, let's face it. I mean, there, there's a new coordinator. They're trying to figure this thing out. They're not all the way there yet. And it's going to take some time. Uh, you know, I heard Nick Sirianni this morning on the, uh, on the WIP morning show saying, look, we're now in October, you know, you shouldn't see some of the same mistakes, you know, that we've seen, you know, before. So I think all those things are fair. Right. Uh, and there's growing pains and all those kind of stuff. Um, but they need to be better, you know, offensively. That is uh, for sure. So, I mean, and the good thing is Hurts threw for 319 yards. Mm -hmm. uh, AJ caught 175. They, I thought they utilized um, DeAndre Swift pretty well, you know, for sure. But there are things you need, you want to see him get better at. So let me just give you this one, okay? Hurts, uh, I thought best game of the year last game, but his success uh -huh. rate of 39% is eighth worst among all starting quarterbacks. And he's below guys like Sam Howell, Justin Fields, Desmond Ritter on plays outside of the pocket um, where you figured he'd be good. No quarterback has a worse success rate. That includes both throws and runs. Mm. That's that's surprising, especially with his wheels that can make up for maybe some, some errant throws. Um, I think... Through the first four games, teams have done a much better job in terms of uh, flooding passing lanes, number one, when he floats outside of the pocket, and number two, you'll notice that 
whether it's an end or a linebacker, there's always a guy floating with him. Yep. Teams are doing a much better job in that regard. So it's going, but see what, when that happens, this receivers supposed to go into all hands on deck scramble mode. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what his receivers are doing. And I understand uh, the teams are doing a better job. When you start out facing the coordinators they've faced, and you see those coordinators have a measure of success of taking that element away. What's going to happen? Everybody's going to do copy. the same thing. Copycat league, right. the same thing. And you're going to see the Jets defense, Raider, uh, 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 Chiefs, Buffalo's defense do the same thing. Miami, yep. Miami's defense, they're going to do the same thing. So now they're going to have to tweak uh, the route running in that regard. Or who's the safety valve in a situation like that? Who's the primary target in the scramble jail, drill? You have you, there's always when a quarterback holds the ball long enough and he's floating out, the way receivers are, are, are scrambling, somebody's about to free open because defenders have to keep one eye on Jalen Hurts at all times. Yep. Because you just never know when he's going to step up and run. But because they've been doing it good, now once you take an eye off, off your receiver, that's when he's able to slide one way or the other. And Jalen's got to be able to deliver the goods. I think teams have done a much better job in now. I will say this. Jalen has done a much better job in terms of delivering the goods from the pocket. Yep. That's that's an improvement in his game. And that element of his game that was so good last year, going outside of the pocket and, and hitting people on the run, has been taken away. So there's going to have to be some give and take somewhere. To mm-hmm. what degree? Only Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson know what that is. But yeah. they're going to have to adjust because teams so far have done a pretty good job. I didn't know the numbers were that bad. Eighth worst? Yeah. Said maybe Guys that are ahead of him. Oof, I mean, you know, we see what what it's looked like. Ritter is probably one game away from being benched. You know, it's it's been a mess in Chicago. We 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 know that. That's well documented. It's right. Yeah, right. it's not good. Not good. If you if you had said Jalen was maybe tenth or eleventh, I was I would say middle of the pack, like fifteen. I'd be like, yeah, all right, could see that. Yeah, but you said eighth worst. That is shocking, but it's understandable because of what we've seen in the first four games. Yeah. So because. This is a, a different collection of coordinators. Um, and, 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 and obviously, the word is getting out. If you're going to have a chance on against this team, these are certain things that you have to do. You have to be willing to take these risks, and teams have done that. Now, granted, even though we this has been something we've talked about for a couple of weeks now, the Eagles are still winning, okay? They're still offensively, as inconsistent as, as it is, the offense is still fifth in the league. They're averaging almost 395 yards a game. Yeah. So the running game has been the primary focal point, well, except for this past game. Uh, Washington did a pretty good job of taking away the run and forcing them to pass, and they had the success in the air. Um, but it's going to be give and take every week. Yeah. It's not going to be as fluid as it no, was. No, it's not. I mean, and, and I think we all just have to sort of understand it's not last year. It's it, it's just that was an exceptional crazy kind of year man and it's it's hard to duplicate that that level of play let's go to your point here Derek so offensively they're they're actually scoring more than they scored last year believe it or not they're at 29.5 which is fifth in the NFL you'll take that almost 30 points per game rushing their second 165.3 yep passing eh tied for 13th 226.8 so they're okay let me go to Hertz for a minute 959 passing yards, that's 12. Five touchdowns, that's tied for sixth. Completion mm-hmm. percentage, 67.7, 13th. Mm-hmm. 92.4 passer rating, that's 14th. 
you know, they're not, that's not terrible. It, it's okay. No. No. But he was the runner up MVP who just signed a massive contract. So you want better than okay. So I told I told you before the season started, I expect his numbers to be very similar to what he had last year. Yeah. 22, 25 touchdown passes and X amount of rushing touchdowns. I don't think that much is going to change. You know, he's still a, a young quarterback who has these physical attributes. You have to utilize every aspect of his game to, to make a defense respect you. Now, he's not running as much. He has 40 carries already. That's projected to be a little bit over 120 right now compared to what did he have last year? Over 160 carries. Yep. So I like that projection, um, you know, in terms of him running less, preserving his body to live to play another day. Mm -hmm. But I don't expect the, the overall passing numbers to be much better especially now that they have this this dominant running game that they can lean on at any given time. I don't expect his passing numbers to be much better, and it could be a little bit less. You know, the proje projections I gave you at the outset when we did it after what? The first or second game was he might throw for 200 yards less than what he threw for last year. Right. You know, but if they're winning, who cares? I agree. We're winning him and Hall because that's what we do from a media perspective and a fan base. Right. But, you know, Jalen's numbers are down. So what? Are they winning? That's all I care about. I'm with you. I, I I take there's two takeaways. One, they're winning. That's all that matters. Two, they're a work in progress. You know, and now we're we're, we're heading into the fifth week. So I think it's going to get better. I would be far more concerned if it were if we're a month from if we're heading into November. If we were in early November and it still right, looked right. like this, I'd be far more concerned. Um, a couple. Of, I would stay on the offensive theme here for a minute. So DeAndre Swift is second in rushing yards at 364, only behind McCaffrey. Uh, AJ Brown it ha with 414 receiving yards is sixth in the NFL yep. and Devonte Smith at 284 is 16th. So all those, all those are good numbers. Like you'll, you'll take all of those across the board. That's for sure. Um, defensively, let me give you some defensive numbers here. They're 16th in points per game allowed at 22.5. Right. They're second against the run. At your, they're yep. only giving up 63 on the ground. That's yep. phenomenal. Here's the problem, Derek. This is circled in red. 260.8 passing yards allowed yep. per game is 27th yep. in the league. That yep. has to improve. That has to improve. I don't know how much it's going to improve when you're pl playing these kids. Yep. Um, and if you're going to stay committed to these kids, um, then it's going to be it's going to be um, a, a, a tough journey in terms of defending the pass. Um, what are you going to do against the likes? And this is not a knock against their defense. This is just a fact. When you have when you're lining up against Mahomes, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, these guys, what are you going to do? They're going to com complete their passes. Yeah, that's what they do. You know, they get they get paid big money to do just that. And the numbers are, numbers are going to escalate if you can keep them out of the end zone. That, to me, is a bigger criteria. If you can minimize. I mean, do you think this, this secondary is going to stop DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett all day? No. You think they're going to stop Stephon Diggs all day? No. no. It just is. Just like very few teams are going to stop A.J. Brown all day. You got to give to get. Now, if, you, if, 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 if a DK Metcalf or Stephon Diggs has – you know, nine catches, a buck sixty-five, and he's held to one or no, no touchdowns in the game. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. You you can contain certain guys. You know, um, you look at uh, Justin Jefferson. Did he not have a big day against the Eagles? Yes. Who won the game? Eagles. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. 
they get paid. We 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 talk about what we expect from the Eagles, and they got to do this. And I agree with you because I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But hey, you got a lot of big prime time players that they're going to play this year that are going to have success against them. Can you minimize that success enough to get the win? That's that's all that matters. I mean, you know, yeah. You think yeah. about it, Rob. Sidney Brown, talented. Keely Ringo, talented. Blankenship, talented. But they're still growing. Yes. You know, they're growing. They're not finished products. They're growing. Yes. And so you got to take the good with the bad, man. You know, I agree. You're going to have to do it a little bit differently than you did it last year. And your defensive numbers are not going to look the same. Uh, your key is going to be your, your pass rush. Your key is going to be your interior defensive line and letting your linebackers do their things. But you know, your, your, your back end is too young and too inexperienced to go out there and all of a sudden become shut down. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So you're going to have to do things a little bit differently this year. Um, that's for sure. All right, l- let's look at some uh, quickly because we get Sal Pal coming up in about five. Pleasant surprises, no doubt. It's Jalen Carter. I mean, he's got the second most pressures behind Aaron Donald in limited snaps. There's no question. Jordan Davis, big step from year one to year yes. two. Morrow and Cunningham, Derek, I got to tell you, they've been way better than I thought they were going to be. I agree 100% with you. Yeah. I didn't have much I didn't have much hope for them in terms of um, – you know, being primetime players, but the last two games in particular, they have stepped to the forefront with, um, you know, big plays and big moments. I'll add DeAndre Swift. I never thought he would come in here. I knew he would be an awesome addition to this to this offense, but in terms of being the lead runner the way he has and chewing up the real estate the way he has, I didn't think he would be that guy. Now, we, we still got a long way to go, right. and they have to control his touches, especially in the running game. But right now, man, has he been a f- breath of fresh air in the running game. All right, let's go uh, disappointments. I mean, I think he's going to be fine, but, and it's understandable too, because he was playing with a cast, but you know, one sack and not very active in terms of tackles for Hassan Reddick. That that number needs to be better. And, and the other, the glaring one, Derek is 13 catches, 88 yards for Dallas Goddard. That's the one that, whether it's Jalen getting him the ball when he's open or the or or scheming it up with Brian Johnson, they got to figure this out. They got to figure this out real quick. They do, but I don't want Jalen to get to the point like we saw the one game or where, where him and um, AJ were arguing on the sideline and all of a yeah. sudden you're trying to force him the ball. Yep. I don't want you to do that to take away the continuity of what your offense is supposed to look like. I'm sitting here shocked that through four games, that Dallas Goddard doesn't have 100 yards in terms of receiving. I'm just shocked. And what does he have, 11 catches in four games? Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, you're right. When Nick Sirianni says we got to do a better job than that area, I get it. But don't let it happen to the point where you're trying to force it in there, which could lead to mistakes or could, could thwart a potential uh, a scoring drive. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens if they can get these things turned around quickly enough. How much of this are we going to look back, you know, six, seven weeks and say, man, do you remember we thought that was a problem and they really got it together, et cetera. So there's, it's always fascinating to go back and revisit some of the concerns from earlier in the season. So we're going to get a timeout here. We're going to come back. Sal Palantonio is going to join us from ESPN. We'll talk some birds and NFL with Sal. Looking forward to that. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a very scary proposition, right? And I'm front of the line. It took me a long time to find the right person. I finally did. 
I don't want you to have to go through what I went through. Jim Murray is the guy in Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be as well. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751, or you could email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you spending some time with us today. We do. Uh, I am Rob Ellis. He's Derek Gum. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, joined by our next guest. Always excited to have our guy on, and he is an ESPN national 
correspondent who does an amazing job covering the Eagles and the NFL, and he has the best kitchen in the history of kitchens. <laughs> that would be the one and only Sal Palantonio. What's up, Sal? What up, man? Oh, oh hey, guys. How are you doing, Rob? How are you doing, D-Gun? Oh, it's week five, man. So excited for this football team and for this city. Today we got Phillies postseason baseball, baby, and we got the Eagles 4-0. and It is really a great time to be a sports fan in this town. really is. So oh. I know how much you love baseball. I know I've, I've seen you at Clearwater at Phillies games down there. So I, I know you're you're a baseball fanatic. Before we get to the Eagles, give me your prediction in this series, man, against the Marlins. The Marlins are tough. Yeah, they got good. a lot of tough outs in that lineup. Uh, the pitching staff is going to have to show up. Uh, I think the number one thing for that starting pitching staff is keep keep the ball out of the strike zone as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Keep them guessing. No, 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 no early, early uh, at bat fastballs because these guys jump on the early at bat fastballs yeah. and they are all capable of hitting it with power to all, all, all fields. So I think that's the number one thing, you know. But if you get up early on the Marlins, you can take them out of the game. So yeah. I, I, I think it's exciting. The only thing is eight o'clock. I know, man. I, I, I need an early one. I, I, I guess that's two things, right? They figure, hey, the national audience for the Phillies is going to be so great. Yep. Now let's put them in the prime time slot. But the other thing is, man, for us old guys, man, eight o'clock. I know, man. Hey, hey, Sal, I, I, I could have handled like a four thirty, Sal. That would have yeah. been pretty nice, you know. Oh, there's That's nothing Sal. like afternoon uh, October baseball, oh, right? Nothing like best. That. Sal, I know you're swamped with football, but will you find a way to slip into Citizens Bank Park if, for as long as Phillies are in the playoff? Maybe see a game firsthand. I did. I took. Uh, I have just recently. Me and the missus went uh, when Schwarber hit the bomb, and then Bryce Harper threw the helmet into the stands. What oh, a show that, that was! Oh, that man. was great. Okay. Uh, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. I loved what Harper did, throwing the helmet in the stands, and the fans giving him a standing ovation. You gotta love Bryce Harper. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sal. Let's talk some birds, man, because there's been the the tug of war in the city of. Hey, they're 4-0, and it's not easy. I don't care what the situation is to win in this league. And others are saying, yeah, but, you know, when they start playing the really good teams, where do you fall on that with the whole debate of, you know, pretty versus just get a win in this league? Well, first of all, there's three points to make here. Number one is it's super tough to win in this league and to be 4-0. There's only two 4-0 teams for a reason. It's hard to do. Uh, So that's one. Two is the Eagles were not given any leeway in the early schedule by the NFL schedule makers to go to Foxborough where it's tough to win week one. I've been there many times where Belichick pulled major upset. That was a tough fight. And then turn around on a short week for your home opener on Thursday and then go to Monday Night Football in Tampa and then another short week with a one o'clock game to follow. I was in the locker room right after they beat the Bucs. And a lot of players were really sore. This was Wednesday. They held a walkthrough. A lot of players were really sore. There was the heat and humidity of Tampa. And this defense fought through some major adversity. I mean, you look at it, right? uh, 75-yard drive by by Washington, 68-yarder, 56-yarder, 65-yarder, 64-yard. When was the last time? Never that Sam Howell came in anywhere and had one, two, three, four, five drives over 50 yards, five drives over 50 yards and scored. 
So you could tell the defense was dragging just from that evidence alone. So the team has had to fight through a lot of physical adversity. And then I was on the sideline, Robin D. Gunn, in the fourth quarter, getting ready to do the post-game interviews when the game went into overtime. And I'm watching Fletcher Cox come off the field, gassed, takes a knee on the sideline. Training, this is while the game is going on. Training staff tends to him. He looked like he was done. And then Reed Blankenship, you know, awesome. Reed Blankenship saved that football game. He did. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the two plays that he made in overtime, right? On one side of the field, when when Dotson, when Dotson caught the pass, Blankenship hits him, and he gets shot in the ribs. He's a little dazed and confused. The referee actually comes up to Blankenship and says, are you all right, son? I could hear and see the whole thing. Wow. Blankenship waves him off. And then Blankenship makes another play on the other side of the field with Terry McLaurin, where he gets his arm stepped on and saves the game. I mean, what would this team be without Reed Blankenship? His tongue is unbelievable. Yeah. All right, so I got to get your perspective on this. I I need your in-depth perspective on, on Brian Johnson as the evolution of Brian Johnson as a play caller in this offense. It's an evolution. Okay. It's a, it, it's a work in progress. So I think the one thing that you have to go back and look at, I'm looking at the play by play fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's right after the two minute warning and you got 149 left. DeAndre Swift had just gone off a right tackle. If I remember for six yards It is now second and four at the Washington 28, right? This is where Brian Johnson needs to dial up some run plays and run out the clock. Yes. And run out the clock and get automatic Jake Elliott on the field, win the game, and go home. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what was called there. A run play may have been called. Jalen Hurts may have audibled out of it, seeing that one-on-one matchup that A.J. Brown had on the right side and threw it deep for the touchdown, the 28-yard touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown. But they left too much time on the field. Buck 30. Yeah, Yeah, whatever it was. 143 left on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that, Sal, where (laughs) if you're Brian Johnson, you get in his his helmet with with the earpiece and say, look, we're running, no audible, no check down. We're going to pound it and milk clock. So here's the play. I mean, or do you have to leave it open to your guy to be able to audible out? Right, and the and the argument back would be, well, you know, <clears throat> I trust my defense to make a stop. Yeah. But I just illustrated to you. Yeah, you don't trust your defense the way that game Sam Howell going. went down the field five times, 50-plus yard drives, scoring drives in the game. So how are you trusting your defense against Sam Howell? Uh, so I was surprised they did not run out the clock yep. and put Jake Elliott on the field and win the game and threw the ball down. It was an exciting play. Mm-hmm. I get it. It lit up the stadium. Jalen Hurts stood in the pocket. He got hit, showed guts, toughness mm-hmm. again. But, man, that's a play where, you know, and I don't think Sirianni has been asked about that post game yet. I'm shocked. I am shocked. Yeah, yeah no, I, look, I am too, Sal. And that, and that's the thing. Everything has to be on the table in certain games with the way the ebb and the flow. The defense couldn't get a stop. Okay, let's let's do what we did in Tampa 
and hold the ball for nine minutes and 22 seconds, whatever. And just, just take the air out of this thing. You trust your kicker and Elliot that he's going to be money and it's over. Right. And we don't go to any of these kind of, these kind of legs. I think Elliot's the best kicker in the NFL right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Randy Brown's son is teach is the coach for Elliot. Randy Brown is the one who coaches Justin Tucker in Baltimore. Right. Mm -hmm. Mayor of Malton. Right. And his son is the consult kitchen, uh, kicking coach for Jake Elliott. And they are like one, two in accuracy right now in the Amazing. National Football League. Mm, really is. I don't know is. what they're drinking in Malton, New Jersey, but hey. <laughs> Give me some. <laughs> uh, let me ask you about Hurts. I, I clearly, from a passing perspective, Sal, had his best game on Sunday. No doubt about that. It's been a little choppy, just to say the least. What, what do you make of it? Well, teams have keyed on Jalen Hurts, right? Yes. So – Let's look at two aspects of what they did last year. Let's look at the zone read. So teams are keying on him so that he doesn't pull the ball down and he gives the ball up to the running back. And then the RPO, run pass, same deal. They are keying on him so that they make sure he stays in the pocket on the run pass after he decides to keep it. And I think defenses have been dictating a little bit, and the Eagles have been reacting. I think overall, as, as D. Gunn said, it's an evolution. But I think Jalen Hurts proved last year he is a supreme pocket passer, and it will take some adjustment. Just like I mean, it will take some adjustment. Like in, in Tampa, what did they do? They lined up A.J. Brown to his left, ran those shallow crossers, the Bucs decided to, to use one-on-one coverage. Big mistake on A.J. Brown on the shallow crossers. And they got a lot of yak out of it, a lot of yards after the catch. So they're learning how to adjust based on what defenses are doing. Washington put one-on-one coverage on A.J. Brown on the outside. Why, why, why are you doing that? And he is so tough to tackle right yes. now. I, he, I think he's bigger and stronger than he's ever been. I really do. Hey, Sal, what's your perspective on Jalen Carter up to this point? Defensive rookie of the year. Thank you. He, I mean, that's where he's headed. Um, you know, his his number of quarterback pressures while double teamed is only second to Micah Parsons, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Among all NFL players. And they were already talking about giving defensive player of the year to Micah Parsons. So, I mean – Jalen Carter is right in that conversation. I think he's uh, just been unbelievable. He's impossible to block one-on-one. How about the step from year one to year two for Jordan Davis too, Sal? I mean, not only effective against the run, which we all thought would be his forte, but he's gotten to the quarterback too. He's done a really good job for them with that. Yeah, but the base defense, right, Rob, is 5-2-4. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> Reed Blankenship really is your third linebacker. Yeah. And that has put a tremendous amount of pressure on him because he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not Brian Dawkins. He's not, he's not you know, the X, right. the X man. So um, that puts a lot of pressure on him. So it's really incumbent on Davis, Carter, Cox to make those tackles on the first level. And so that, you know, Morrow and Cunningham don't have to have the kind of games that the game that they had on Sunday, which was lights out. Right. And then if, you know, if those backside blocks are working, then it's up to Blankenship to make tackles. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. Well, you know, Sidney Brown was a nice 
change of pace for Blankenship, but he wasn't playing. I think the team has to go get a safety mm-hmm. for sure. Another, they're hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Another corner, hard to come by. And yep. I'm going to shock you with this one. I think they need another running back. I do. Even really? though they got four of them. Are, are you surprised that Rashad Penny is an afterthought? The guy has – he's only played one game and had three carries in, in four games? I, I thought he would be more prominent there. in the offense. It's one of those things that's gotten lost in the sauce when you're 4-0. and It's not yeah. something that you're really looking at. But, yeah, I'm, I am surprised. Mm. So, Sal, your, your thinking is maybe they at least feel like Penny is – you know, seen his better days. You don't want to overdo it with Swift. It, it, what, what's your thinking on bringing on in another running back there? Well, I don't know what the situation is with Penny. I think it's okay. speculation. I mean, if they may just be holding Penny back for later in the year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's not the feeling that I get, but that may be the case. Mm-hmm. But you've already had Boston Scott hurt. Gainwell has already been hurt. You see that they used Swift in the last two games early and then brought Gainwell in. Yep. Because they realize it's a 17-game season. They lead the league in rushing attempts. They're number one. Mm-hmm. Lead the league in rushing attempts. So if you're going to lead the league in rushing attempts and your quarterback is not running the ball as much because teams are keying on him as a runner mm-hmm. – uh, and your two backs of your four have been hurt, and the other fourth one cannot get on the field, uh, I think the math is simple. I think yeah. if you can get one, get one. Find one. Are, are, are you okay with them moving Bradbury in and out from the, from the slot back to the outside? I think you need to leave him outside. I don't think he's, he's pro- as productive from the slot. Well, you know, I don't really know specifically why they've decided to do that. But I think the thing is that because he's not a shifty kind of guy, right? Yeah. You know, the reason why the Giants gave up on him was what? Because uh, Wink Martindale was going to blitz, right? Yeah. And, and really, they needed a cover corner where the Eagles will do a lot more zone. And they asked their corners not to cover like that as much. Mm. So you put Bradbury in in a one-on-one situation with a shifty, shorter area burst guy. Yep. It's going to be a learning curve. The great, the great thing about Devontae Maddox was, you know, he could stop on a dime. Yeah. He mm-hmm. could move in tight spaces. He could stay with guys. Wasn't the biggest guy. That sometimes was difficult for him. But I thought he was one of the top two or three slot corners in the National Football League easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So I'm not sure if Bradbury's going to work out there, but I don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, they, it was interesting while I was on the sideline. So Sam Howell has him on that fourth down, and he's got Terry McLaurin on the outside. Oof. And one-on-one matchup, Sirianni comes flying down the sideline, goes to the ref like this, did not like the matchup with Terry McLaurin, right? And then Rivera runs another play, and then the next play, they get the touchdown, and it wasn't to McClure. And I forget who it was, but it wasn't to McClure. Dotson had the game winner. Is it that one? The the game game tire was Dotson, right? Right. Yeah. It was Dotson. So it was a nice chess match between Eric Biennemi, the offensive coordinator, and Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator. 
but Howell made a heck of a throw. I mean, yeah, it was a Howell, yeah. Howell's a better passer than Dak and Daniel Jones, I think. Thank you. Thank you. He showed a lot of poise in that game. You know, oh, they got – it's how you know. They got embarrassed the week before in Buffalo. And no, that was home they, that game. That was home, yeah. Or, or, I'm sorry, against Buffalo, excuse me. But you knew that they were going to show up this week. I mean, if they had any kind of pride, and they did, to their credit. And that's the other thing. You know, you're – you're Sal, every week you're getting the other team's best shot, but you were especially getting their best shot coming off of the game that they played last week, Washington. Yeah, and I talked to Ron Rivera before the game outside the uh, – locker room visitors locker room for Sunday NFL countdown. And you could tell there was an air of confidence about him and about the team when they arrived on the buses. You're absolutely mm. right, Rob, you know, but they always get up for coming here. Yeah. The giants, they're in, they're in slumberland. They're like, now, nah, you know, they kind of roll it out there. They get, they don't know what to do when they get to Philly, the giants. Yeah. You know, mm. they just don't Washington is we're coming in and you know, you're going to have to beat us. You could just, and scary Terry McLaurin, he's the guy who sets the tone, that guy. Yes, he's yes. a beast. He's been he an is. Eagles killer, and the first two passes went to him. Mm -hmm. Smart. Ride the hot hand. So let me ask you, it, it, it's sort of playing to chalk a little bit here in the NFC. Eagles 4-0, Niners 4-0, Cowboys 3-1. What's your impression of what we're seeing here, the, the way this is kind of unfolding? And we've got it, of course, you got the monster matchup on Sunday night with Dallas and San Fran. But what, what, what do you think about what's happening thus far? All right, so let's look at them one at a time, right? right? Um, San Francisco can beat you on all three levels of their defense. Mm -hmm. Bosa, the great pass rusher. I think Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. I agree. No disrespect to anybody else, but I think he's the best. And then on the back end, they just have so many bodies that they rotate in and out, and they all are very, very good. They're disciplined. It's kind of like the defense that John Lynch was in when he was in Tampa. Mm. They had a great pass rush with Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp. They had Derek Brooks, the best linebacker in the business at the time, Lynch and Barber on the back end, that Monty Kiffin defense that came into Philly and won the Super Bowl. It's the same exact concept that they have in San Francisco. Um, and then they're number two in rushing attempts. Number two, right behind the Eagles with McCaffrey. So it's interesting. The NFL spent the entire offseason devaluing the running game. Eagles, number one in rushing attempts, 4-0. San Francisco, number two in rushing attempts, 4-0. Miami... Number three in rushing attempts, three and one. What are we doing? Yeah. Running. We're running and, the football. Yeah. How do you keep your quarterback on schedule? That's just something that Ron Jaworski taught me when I first got started with the NFL matchup show. You know, you got to keep your quarterback on schedule. And you look at Brock Purdy, it's almost like the Bill Walsh offense. It's yes. just distribute the ball. Yep. He's five yards here, 10 yards here. He's taking some shots once in a while. But he doesn't have to do much because they run the ball so effectively. So I think San Francisco's tough. And Sal, you, you talk about how the league has devalued the running game. Look at Saquon Barkley. Giants are 3-11-1 in games where he's not played. So from, from your perspective, how has the running game been so devalued when it's such a valuable commodity in pro football? Listen, here's what we'll do, the three of us. We'll drive up the Jersey Turnpike, 
make a left on 16W. We'll yeah. knock on John Mara's door and we'll say, listen, John, hire the three of us to run your team. We'll do it for chump. We'll do it for like one third what you're paying your GM. We'll yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't see the Saquon Barkley situation coming. Yeah. Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley is lost in the sauce, man. Yep. Totally. Totally. They, they, that was ugly last night, Sal. Whoa, was that ugly? I mean, I think it's, yeah, you got to make a right on 16W, excuse me, <laughs> before you make the left All over right. the bridge to this. I apologize for right. those devotees of the New Jersey team. Yeah, you, 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 you lost your job with Waze or your GPS job, Sal. Uh, I've only let, made the trip 500 times. I know, now. you can do it in your sleep. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you about the Rams. Uh, this has been a little surprising, Sal. I mean, they're doing this without Cooper Cup and. You know, uh, uh, Puka Takua has just has been like the oh my god guy in the NFL so far this year. McVay really coaching is uh, at, at a really high level for them so far this year. Well, you need to have uh, you know a receiver in the middle of the field controlling the hash marks in the National Football League with option routes. Tom Brady made his bread and butter uh, with that. With Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski. Now Dak Prescott's got Brandon Cooks. Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup helped Stafford win a Super Bowl. you got to have that guy. Why? The defensive ends are so fast and big. Mm -hmm. They come at you all the time. It's a blitzing league. You want the option route so you can get the ball out of your hands quickly. A guy like that is gold to Matthew Stafford without Cooper Cup. I just saw that the Eagles are five and a half point favorites in that yep. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's a big number. Big it's number. a big, big number. Five and a half and 50, Sal, on the, on the total, too. They're Sal, expecting some points. Yeah. Sal, I have to ask you about a very concerning uh, situation in the NFL. What are you hearing about this Chandler Jones situation? Uh, very disheartening, very troubling in a lot of ways. It is uh, troubling and disheartening. I don't have any more facts than are available out there. Um, I I just don't. Uh, It's something, obviously, that they will have to take care of league-wide and also with that football team. But it it definitely is troubling. There's there's no question about it. Mm. Sal, where do you you fall? I I haven't heard you talk about this, and I apologize if you have, on, on the tush push. I'm I'm all for it. I have no issue with it, but a lot of people don't like it. Where where are you, where do you fall with this? Why don't you stop it? Exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, you know. Look, so the competition committee in the off season when they met in Florida, they had a conversation about it. Two things happened in that meeting. One, it's a subcommittee of coaches. Ron Rivera is on it. Frank Reich, Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin. Those are the four coaches. They got no traction among the coaches to ban it, none. And they realized they didn't have the 24 votes to ban it. So they tabled it without a vote. Now, there were some things that were brought up. One, is it in the spirit of the game? Is it a football play or not? Two, are we worried about the quarterback or the center being injured, crown of the helmet, going right into the defense like that. Mm -hmm. Are you now worried about the quarterback getting hurt because guys are jumping the pile? You saw that in Tampa first. Right. You saw Devin White go over the pile, try to hit the football, and inevitably you saw helmet-to-helmet hits on the top of the pile. You saw that in Washington. 
with Washington on Sunday. They went over the pile to try to get to Jalen Hurts. But to me, it's in the rule book. You should be able to run it. There is no injury data whatsoever because the competition committee looked to find injury data. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for the play. Jalen is the only one who can run it. I don't know if you saw last night on Monday oh, Night Football. Yep. Yep. The Giants tried to run it. And it didn't succeed primarily because Daniel Jones left his feet. So that's the key thing is Jalen Hurts has, you know, he squats 550 or 600 pounds, whatever it is. It's a monster number. He has such lower body strength. He doesn't leave his feet. They have it perfectly executed. And when I was in the locker room Wednesday, I talked to Goddard and I talked to uh, a couple of the offense, Jordan Mailata. And I said, what makes it go? And they said, you know what? It's really a timing play. The center quarterback exchange and the timing of the blocks in the back and the push all have to be synced up. And I said, aren't you guys worried about hurting Jalen? Why don't you have Jordan Mailata? He played rugby in Australia. Put him back there. And uh, I heard that the center exchange thing is the biggest issue that, mm. you know, that's the thing. You don't want to lose the football. You sure. don't want to. Yeah. I, I think the competition committee will look at it again, but I'm all for it. hundred percent. Okay. Right. You know, it's brotherly shove and the city so, that shoves you back. So I, lo- I agree <laughs> with you. I, I, agree I like with that. You. The city that shoves you back. Yeah. yeah. Brotherly shove in a city that shoves that's you back. That's a t-shirt sale. Yeah. I, I, agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you hundred percent, but here's what I've said. Number one, the committee put it on the table last year. Number two, through four weeks, you have more people grumbling about it. Number three, because it's Philadelphia, it's something about Philadelphia the league is always against. It's going to be on the table again, and I think they're going to find a way to, to minimize it or eliminate it next spring when the committee meets again. I, if, 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 when New England's ran it for years. Think about this. Brady ran it, had people pushing it for years. Nobody said anything. Exactly. All of a sudden – Philadelphia revamps it and recreates it. All of a sudden, now it's not a, it's not a football play. I think they're going to find a way to get rid of this place out. Well, the purists just drive me crazy, right? It's not in the spirit of the game. Well, you know, where'd you get that? Where are you pulling that out of? It's just like, come on. I mean, it's it's nuts. I don't know what the what's going to happen next year, but I like the play. I like the fact that nobody can imitate it. Uh, I like it that you know it's been branded. It's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, hey, uh, here's what I want to see. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eagles go to Vegas in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, and they can't stop it. Touchdown, right. Super Bowl champs. That'd be right. nice. That'd be yeah. your lips to yeah. somebody's ears, the sports gods. Sal, listen, keep up the great work. Where are you this weekend? Where can, we, where can we see you? Oh, yeah. Well, we got the NFL matchup show with Greg Cosell and Darius Butler. That is Phenomenal. on ESPN2 on gotcha. Saturdays, ESPN on Sundays, my 20th year hosting the show. Mm-hmm. Blessed to be part of it. It's at NFL Films. They do such a great job. Then I'm going to Ravens at Steelers. I'll be doing TV in the morning on SportsCenter and Sunday NFL Countdown. Then I'm in the booth with Steve Levy. He's going to do play-by-play. I'm going to be the analyst in the booth on ESPN Radio's national call of the game. Ooh, look at you. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome, okay. dude. I like that. Yeah. Right, Del. yeah. I'll get one of those nice Pumani sandwiches. And- there you go. That'll tide you over. All right, Sal, listen, appreciate you hopping on for a couple minutes. Always fun chatting with you. Thank, Thank you, bro. We really appreciate it, Sal. Thank you. Take, Take care. care, my man. All right, that's Sal Palantone. Gunner, let's get a quick one because we got right on deck, man. It is yeah. red October and Scott Lauber, who you, you read his story a little bit earlier on the air. Yeah. We're going to talk to him about what players the, uh, the Phillies are going to have active. Who's inactive. The keys to this thing against the Marlins. We'll dig into all of that with Scott when we get back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. I want to tell you about proaction restoration. If you have a home business property, you own, you go through the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage, you name it. You now try and can be. But the beauty is ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. A weekend, a holiday, a night, they are there for you. They're also licensed, bonded, fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. H-I-L-L-I-E-S. Phillies. And we're talking Phillies right now. Welcome back in, everybody. Did I spell that right? I, I don't know. I, I can't, can't hey, hey, anyway, welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Joining us right now, does an awesome job covering the Phillies. He is a must-read, whether that be uh, at TheInquirer.com, whether it's on X or Twitter, wherever you get your social media, I suggest you check out Scott Lauber's work. He is the Phillies and MLB reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Scott, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, oh not too much, guys. Just a, a playoff game tonight. So, <laughs> Scott, as a, I got to ask you as a writer first before we get into the you know breaking the series down and you know, all this other stuff. When you saw the schedule come out, it was at eight o'clock. How do you view that? I, I'm I'm assuming it's bad with deadline purposes, like. For you, were you hoping the earliest the better, or how do you view it as as from your perspective as as a as a writer? Yeah, earlier the better. Bring on one o'clock. It's like uh, it's like NFL. I assume Gunner, you know this from the NFL days. Like one o'clock, way better than four o'clock. Yes. Way better than eight o'clock, right? So, <laughs> sure. I mean, from so many angles, because not just do you have deadlines and you got to meet a deadline and get it get a, get a story in, but also you just have more time to work downstairs after the game. It's more time to talk to people, less of a time, you know, less of a crunch to kind of, you know, in and out and get upstairs and try to make sense of it all. So, yeah, I was not wild about 808 for three consecutive or, you know, at least two consecutive and maybe three consecutive nights. But, you know, I also kind of expected it, you know, no New York teams um, in the postseason this year in baseball and, uh, you know, no Cubs. And, uh, you know, you figure that you know, you figure that the Phillies were going to be the biggest draw, uh, especially on, in wildcard week. So I kind of thought that we'd get saddled with eight o'clock and here we are. Think about it from, from a market size, 
to a place that was on fire during the postseason last year to star power, Harper, et cetera. I mean, it, it kind of all adds up, frankly, that it would be this way. Yeah, no, totally. And the only thing that would, and I say this is no disrespect to people down in Miami, but the only thing that would keep it from eight o'clock is the Marlins factor because, you know, the fan base there tends to be a little bit smaller and less enthusiastic and whatnot. But no, I think you're right. I think the star power in the series kind of carried the day and also just the lack of, you know, last year, I think back to the afternoon game in St. Louis for game one, but that was because the Mets, I believe, were the eight o'clock game and they were everyone's hot team last year. And collapsed a bit down the stretch and everyone wanted to see what that was going to look like. So, um, you know, they had alternatives last year to put in the, uh, in the eight o'clock slot and no one expected the Phillies to do much beyond the first round anyway. So um, the Phillies uh, as a, as a draw, as an attraction are not, we're not even a year ago, what they look like right now. I saw an hour ago when you released who's in and who's out for the Phillies on their postseason roster. And not surprised that Lorenzo was left out. And not only that, but what the heck happened to this dude after the, the no-hitter? Yeah. Um, so I would say it was trending in that direction over yeah. the weekend. You know, Rob Thompson allowed for the possibility on Sunday that they might carry an extra bench player. Uh, you can carry as many as 13 pitchers. You can't carry more than 13, but you can carry less. And in a three-game series where, like last year, they used, I think, a total of uh, six pitchers in the two games against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Wheeler, Nola, and they gave you length. And then it was basically the four out of the back of the bullpen. They have a deeper bullpen this year than they had last year, not including Lorenzen. So, no, I wasn't surprised. I think, um, you know, the one thing you always think about with a pitcher like that, with an extra starter is, well, you never know if you're going to play 18 innings because there's no uh, auto runner in the playoffs and games can can actually go longer uh, in the postseason. But that's what you have Taiwan Walker for. And that's what Christopher Sanchez in part is for. So they even have uh, depth options uh, who can go long. So no, I wasn't stunned. I think the fact that they're playing the Marlins who have a lot of left-handed pitchers means Mm -hmm. you want an extra righty. Uh, and I, I hesitate to say off the bench because I think there's a chance Weston Wilson starts this game in left field. And wow. Wow. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, um, but, you know, better chance of Wilson starting than Marsh, certainly against Luzardo and Garrett. So I think you want the extra right-handed bat, and um, and that's exactly what they did. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I was very curious, you know, what they – how 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 Thompson would structure this because we know he is very much about the matchups lefty righty you know lefty righty all that kind of stuff it, it was going to be interesting to me so you don't think you don't think he'd go Pache I well I should say that that I think if I had to rank him yeah uh, in terms of likelihood of being the left fielder in game one I think I'd go Pache Wilson Marsh um, I don't know if Rob Thompson tipped his hand the other day but he did talk about how when you play a team with as many lefties as the Marlins have and good lefties at that, uh, you might want to opt for defense. And that would be a nod toward Pache because okay. he's the best defender of the three. Um, Marsh did hit a home run late in the game on Sunday against a lefty. I asked Thompson after the game, does that give you anything to think about? And he said, maybe so. But look at his numbers. You know, he's, I think, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts against Luzardo. Right. Uh, not a big sample size, but again, there's a reason why it's not a big sample size. I don't think Thompson's going to stray uh, from 
from what he's been doing, which is not starting March against lefties. March hasn't started against the lefty since August 30th. So uh, I don't think it's going to start tonight. If he wants to go defense, Pache is the guy. But, you know, Thompson also made that comment sort of off the cuff, and it was before they had their scouting meetings to discuss the Marlins. So it is possible that there were people in the room who said, you know what, Weston Wilson's got a better bat. You know, Pache didn't have a real good September, at least at the plate. Maybe we want to go Weston Wilson here. Um, there might be uh, some voices in the room that say that. Uh, he indicated yesterday that he knew who his left fielder was going to be, but he hadn't informed them yet. So I don't think this is like a down-to-the-wire decision where, you know, moments before they put the lineup out, they're going to decide on their left fielder. I just think they talked about it, they settled on it, and I think if I was laying odds, I'd go Pache, but watch Weston Wilson. Okay. Scott, for the last couple of weeks leading up to the playoffs, I told Rob, as we watch the, the wildcard teams jockey for position behind the Phillies, I've said consistently the one team I don't want to see the Phillies play in a first round is the Marlins. Now, I feel really good about Wheeler on the hill tonight, but there's something about this free-swinging, free-spirited Marlins team that, that I have cause for concern. Call me, call me down. Tell me why we're okay with them facing the Marlins. This series would have been fascinating if Sandy Alcantara was healthy and Yuri Perez and yep. if Luis Arise had two healthy ankles. So I would be right there with you um, if all of that was was true. And I think the Marlins would have been a, a bad matchup for them. It's still not a great matchup because of all the left-handed pitchers, but uh, it's a much better one. I, someone said to me over the weekend in New York, no, no one in uniform, uh, but somebody said to me, um, is there anyone in the Marlins lineup who you would take over anyone in the Phillies lineup if you went position by position? And mm -hmm. I might argue Luis Sarise if he was totally healthy. Yeah, yeah. Although Bryson Stott is really good and mm -hmm. I think is a winning player and is a player I'd love to have on my team any day of the week, Arise hit 354 or whatever it was. Yeah. So that's the one. But we don't, we don't know. He hasn't played since September 23rd. We don't really know what he's going to look like or what he's going to be able to do uh, with that ankle. So the answer is probably no. There's probably no one. And that doesn't mean that they're not a good club. I mean, Josh Bell, we've seen enough of Josh Bell against the Phillies the last couple of years to know he's a good hitter and someone to be reckoned with. Jake Berger really kind of gave that lineup a, bo a boost when they traded for him at the deadline. Jorge Soler is a dangerous hitter. So they're, they, you know, they've got – people who can hurt you and they certainly have pitching that can hurt you. I think it's a testament to their depth that their pitching is as good as it is, even without Alcantara and Yuri Perez. But I just think the healthier team and the better team are the Phillies. Um, I, I think this was a good matchup for them just because the Marlins roster is not in great shape with all those injuries. I, I think the Diamondbacks in a way would have worried me a lot more because of how dynamic Corbin Carroll can be and even can tell Marte and how good he is. I think they have just, more dynamic game-changing kind of players. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of like the matchup given the state of the Marlins and I know they gave them trouble during the season and I know that they've given them been a thorn in their side all these years, but it just kind of feels like it's lined up for the Phillies and um, they really ought to win this series. I think Scott, they, they also uh, went with in sort of a youth movement here with the Ryan Kirkering uh, being on the roster as well. What kind of role do you envision for him? I mean, are they, so confident in him that you'll see him in high leverage or is this, would this be sort of, I don't say mop up in the playoffs, but would it be earlier in a game? What role do you see him in? Sounds like it's going to be high leverage. And I'll tell you, I mean, the day after he pitched for the first time, Rob Thompson said, I've seen all I need to see. He's, a, he's, 
he's this guy's really good. And that was one appearance. Now, he wasn't quite as sharp or as electric in his next appearance. He walked the guy. He gave up a hit, but he got out of that inning. Uh, he uh, had some traffic on the bases. Uh, I think it was Saturday night against the Mets, got out of that inning. So, I mean, he's allowed an, one unearned run in three innings, and his slider is uh, is pretty nasty, and he's got a great fastball. They love what they see, and Thompson was asked yesterday, what role do you see for Kirkering? And he said he's a leverage guy for me as a right-handed wow. guy who, um, in the right pocket of a lineup late in the game, you know, I don't think they have any any hesitation going to him. And Damn. Um, one thing I've said or I've thought and I think I've written is that um, their bullpen is much deeper than it was a year ago. A year ago, we were looking at it as, you know, Jose Alvarado, Zach Eflin, David Robertson, who looked like he was fading, and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who was coming off an injury. And until that St. Louis game where he struck out Goldschmidt and Arenado, hadn't been sharp for several weeks. Now, this year, you've got Alvarado, you've got Dominguez, still not sharp, uh, mm -hmm. but you've got Kimbrell. You've got uh, you've got uh, uh, Soto, Soto, possibly Hoffman, Hoffman, who's been terrific. Strom, mm -hmm. who's been really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirkering now much deeper bullpen, but with a much deeper bull and any manager would sign up to have a much deeper bullpen. But with a much deeper bullpen comes the um, the chance for making the wrong decision more often. Right. The more pitching changes you make, the more chance you're going to have to get it wrong. So I'm really curious to see how these roles evolve um in rob thompson's mind like it's one thing to say kirkering's a leverage guy late it's another thing to do it and to use him that way and you know is he going to be able to pull the right levers where it goes right um it's great to have more options but you'd like to have an order to those options and know where you're going i think they have an idea i think soto's an earlier in the game against lefties guy i think strom could be a multi-inning bridge he could also be a guy who comes in to shut off a rally. He's been good with runners on base. Hoffman has been great with runners on base. He is definitely a strand guy, you know, if you need to strand a couple of runners. Um, but where do you go after that? You know, how do you use Kirkering? Is is it Alvarado or Kimbrell at the end? I guess it depends on lefties or righties. But, um, you know, he's going to have to kind of, Thompson is going to have to kind of read the game uh, before it unfolds and with all these options that he has. And that's going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Scott, people have jokingly said it's amazing what a standing ovation has done for Trey Turner. But you you talk to these guys daily. W what has it been? What has the transformation been with him? Is it being more selective at the plate? Is it an alteration in his stance? W what have you found out about what has really flipped the light switch for this guy? So he'll tell you it's his hands. Um, he'll tell you that it's his hands and, and the way he, believe it or not, the way he grips the bat. Um, you know, you hear the old expression, right? That guy's gripping the bat a little tight. Yeah. You know, I think it, literally Trey, uh, Trey Turner was gripping the bat a little tight. He said when he's going well, when he's feeling his best at the plate, he likes kind of a loose grip on the bat. Okay. Uh, and he said, you know, there were times he got away from it last year with the Dodgers, but mostly, you know, he likes his hands to be loose, his fingers to be loose. Um, this year, he felt like literally was gripping the bat a little too tight. And mm -hmm. I think he made some adjustments along the way. Hand position is a big thing for him too, in terms of like not too far back, not too far forward. He wants to give him a chance to see the ball. He doesn't want to start a swing too, too early, but he also wants to be ready uh, to start the swing on time. He was having a whole lot of trouble just getting on time with everything for four months. And it's hard to believe because he's too good of a hitter and too good of a player. Yep. Um, and he'd never gone through anything like that before. And I do believe that the, the ovations 
lifted him up a little bit. I do believe it allowed him to exhale a little bit. It's funny to look back at the Marlins now because Miami was kind of where his season turned, right? He had yeah. that horrible game where he, right. made that, he, he made that mis- mistake in the 11th inning on defense, and then he kind of punished himself by, like, you know, the late-night hitting session to midnight in the, in the batting cage there. And then he comes home and he gets this sort of, like, boost behind him. And some of it, I'm sure, is coincidental. Some of it was not. I do think – and I, I asked him that flat out. I kind of said the same thing you just said to me. Like, the ovation's great. feels a little coincidental. What are you doing at the plate? Like, what's the, what's the tangible thing you're doing differently? And that's where he kind of pointed to his hands and he talked about the grip and things like that. So I just think that that's kind of uh, – he finally found something that worked, that he felt comfortable with, that he liked – and he probably had a little bit more confidence knowing that he had a, a you know, a fan base behind him instead of uh, constantly wondering, like, what's wrong with this dude? Mm-hmm. Scott, something I'm curious about, um, Taiwan Walker. Uh, he, he is on the playoff roster. And, you know, we know this is a very short series e- either way, you know, maxing out at three here. Um, would he be the game three guy if you had to use Ranger in one or two out of a, you know, in a bullpen situation? And. Yeah, frankly, how do you trust him with the way he starts these games? I mean, I know you can come back sometimes in the regular season when a hole's dug for you, but it's a lot harder in the playoffs. What's the thinking with with Walker? Yeah, i I think that's the I think that's the scenario. Is probably he's the game three guy, but only if you have to use Suarez. And like we just talked about with the depth of their bullpen, I, other than like a crazy long extra inning game in in one of these first two games, I'm not sure why. I mean, I know I know Suarez is pitched in relief before I know he's good at it I know he's you know they constantly talk about and you can see it they constantly talk about the heartbeat he has no heartbeat he's calm as could be and he is I know why you'd want to turn to him in a high leverage spot maybe against a tough left-handed hitter late in the game or in the middle of a game maybe if Noel is short you know goes short tomorrow night you know maybe there's a spot for Suarez but I'm not sure with all that bullpen depth and the potential of a looming game three, why you would necessarily feel the need to use him. Um, I, I, it feels a little like the break glass in case of emergency guy, kind of okay. like, um, kind of like maybe, uh, maybe Kyle Gibson was at times last year in the postseason. Right. Uh, but Thursday would be his day. They specifically did this so that he would be lined up to pitch on full rest on Thursday. And um, if they need him, he, he'd be there. Okay. Yeah, Scott, I saw uh, earlier today um, uh, Aaron Nola quoted as saying he's approaching every start as if it's his last start in Philadelphia. Is, is that a realistic approach to this? Are we looking at the, the, the last days of Aaron Nola as a Phillies pitcher? So I've talked to him a little bit about it myself, and I know when he says that, I, I, think, I, th- I think what he means is not like, when this is all over, I'm gone, see you later. I think what he means is when this is all over, I become a free agent and you never know what happens when you hit free agency. Okay. Um, There are going to be 29 other teams that will have an opportunity to tell him what he's worth. And if he likes their answer, any one of their answers better than the Phillies answer, you know, he's going to probably go. So I think that's more what he means than like, I'm a goner. I'm out of here. I know he likes it here a lot. It's all he's ever known. Uh, I don't think it's lip service when he talks about, you know, playing in front of the crowd here or, you know, Aaron Nola has great perspective on how far this has all come because he was here in the 90 some loss years. You know, he lost 97 games one year um, in 20, 
15, I believe it was. And, and you know, he sort of has been here through the whole evolution of, of this, this wacky rebuild that they took on with, you know, big stars and free agency before it was, they were ready for it really. And a farm system that kind of came late, it was sort of a reverse rebuild. He's been here through all of that. He's seen it all. I think he has an appreciation for how far the Phillies have come and how um, far the city has come with kind of falling back in love with the Phillies again, the way they were uh, back in 07 to 11. He didn't know any of that. He'd only heard about it firsthand. And I think last year kind of opened his eyes to that. Like, oh, this is what they were talking about all those years when I was coming up as a kid. So I, I do think he, 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 he would like to stay here if it's all, if it's all right, mm-hmm. um, if all the numbers add up. But I think that's what he means is that when this is over, the business of baseball takes over and I get to go out on the open market and see what that's all about. Maybe I'll like the experience. Maybe I won't. Um, but, you know, um, and there's still very much a chance he does come back. But, you know, he, he can't guarantee that. They can't guarantee that. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about. Scott, for people who maybe didn't see uh, Lazardo, for example, when the Phillies faced him this year, lefty 10 and 9 on the season, 363 ERA, great strikeout walk ratio, 208 to 55. He, he did give up 22 home runs. Two starts versus the Phillies, uh, 12 and a third, five runs, uh, two home runs. Just just give us a little scouting report on what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight with Lozardo. Yeah, he's got great stuff. Um, you know, came up with the A's, got traded over there to, to Miami. Um, off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact deal, but it was, uh, as, I, as I remember when it happened, thinking like, oh, you know, the Marlins got another arm who they could add to – you know, Alcantara. And at the time they had Pablo Lopez and they had Edward, Edward Cabrera coming up and everyone heard about Yuri Perez in the pipeline. And it seemed like they just kept building, building, building with, with pitching. And he was one of those guys that they loved. And I think he kind of took a step forward this year uh, while Alcantara did not have the kind of year he had last year when he won the Cy Young. I think it was Lazardo who was uh, maybe their best pitcher or most consistent pitcher from start to finish. So I think the Phillies will have their hands full with him tonight. I, I do wonder you know, uh, the Marlins have a good bullpen, and we talked about the four lefties that they have in their bullpen, which um, presents further issues for the Phillies. But I do wonder whether, you know, it's one of those, you know, situations where you want to grind out at-bats early in the game, get Luzardo's pitch count up, get him out of the game, and try to get into that Marlins bullpen as early as you can. He's also never pitched in the postseason, unless he pitched in that 2020 shortened one. But, um, you know, obviously he's he's newer to this Um than, than a lot of guys are. So you wonder how nerves are going to play a factor. Does he get rattled by the crowd? All of those things. Um, they have Johnny Cueto on their roster. And you remember Johnny Cueto had that, that yeah. start for the Reds where he dropped the ball. It was in Pittsburgh, right? And he dropped the ball or something like that. You know, a, a crowd can unnerve a young pitcher when yeah. they haven't done this before. So, But he's got great stuff and uh, really good numbers against a lot of uh, the Phillies' top hitters. So I do think this is, might be one of those series where, you know, it's a Trey Turner Nick Castellanos, JT Real Muto series where the right-handed hitters have to step up and do some of the damage or more of the damage because Luzardo, Garrett, and those lefty relievers might be able to neutralize um, some of the Phillies' left-handed hitters a little bit more than other teams might. Scott, as you you mentioned earlier, these night games are brutal. Uh, But from a baseball traditional standpoint, now that we're in the playoffs, you like the fact that they've gone back to the no automatic runner on second base when they get to extra innings? I do. I, I hate that having the automatic runner on base. I understand speeds up the game, but I just think it takes away from the overall element of what baseball is supposed to be. 
Yeah, I'll separate the baseball purist in me from the journalist in me and say I agree with you on that. I mean, it feels a little like the shootout in hockey, right? Like yes. you'd, hate for, you'd hate for a playoff game to be determined by a shootout, and you'd hate for a baseball playoff game to be determined by whether, you know, you can get a bunt down and move a guy from second to third and then get a hit. Um, you know, the odds, obviously, of scoring a run when you put a runner on second base are much higher than when the yeah. base is empty. So I will agree with you, and I will also cross my fingers and my toes and hope that we get no – 18 winning games that end at four o'clock in the morning because nobody, none of us needs that. Uh, I, I got to ask you the last one. I know Derek asked you about the potential of, of you know, Nola maybe not being here. Do you have any kind of sense of what we're going to get uh, tomorrow night? I know you're, I think your colleague, Alex Coffey, wrote about some adjustments that he made, which he feels good about. But Derek asked me earlier in terms of concerns, you know, whatever. And I, I can't, it's impossible for me to not have Nola at the top of any list. What do you think about tomorrow with him? Couldn't agree more. I think he is their most important player, uh, at least in this first series, um, probably going forward. Uh, because if you get like the good Aaron Nola, then you've got a horse who's going to give you seven good innings and keep you in the game and probably pitch you to a win. Um, you know, the way he did in the clinch game um, last week, you know, six and two thirds. And he was terrific. And uh, the start before that, I thought he was in and out of some trouble in Atlanta, but at least um, at least you know, those innings did not blow up into four and five run innings the way they have for most of the season. So I don't know how you could look at it off of two starts, uh, two good starts to finish the season. I don't know how you could look at it and think, okay, um, it's all good. Like he's going to be Nola again, Yeah. you know, for four months, you have evidence that he wasn't that guy, um, you know, but you do know what he's capable of and you do know how good he is. And you do know what he did at the, in the beginning of the playoffs last year. So that gives you some confidence that he can reach back and do it again. It's in there. Uh, he's just got to find it. But, you know, I would have been a lot more comfortable if I'd seen it for more than just two starts down the stretch. If it was like, you know, four or five, then you'd say, all right, he fixed it. Um, it's all good. I think the Marlins could give them trouble, uh, not just Nola, but everybody, but especially Nola. If they get on base and make some things happen and create some, some havoc, uh, Nola does not do well with havoc on the bases, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be the key to the Marlins is just you know get on base and 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 try to rattle him a little bit, uh, whether it's the clock or the base runners or whatever. He's different with runners on base, so I I, I would say my confidence level is like a five or a six because you know of who he is and what he's done. But you know I think I think two starts late in the season is probably not enough of a body of work to say all right yeah. he's fully back. Makes sense. Makes sense. Scott, listen, thanks, man. Uh, we, we always love your insights. We love, we love talking to you uh, during the entire season. Hopefully we'll keep it rolling here in the postseason. but we appreciate your time. Certainly. Of course, guys, anytime. All right. Thank you. Hopefully that is Scott. Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, hopefully it's a quick one for you yeah. tonight, Scott. Nice. We, feel, we feel you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I don't think anybody would argue with that, Derek. Let's make it a quick one tonight, but Scott, thanks. Appreciate it. Man. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get a time out here, Derek, and let's come back and we'll set our sights on the NF. L. We'll look back at last night's game, which was a bludgeoning, to say the least. And then we'll get in everything else that's happening around the league, man, because Gi Giants are in trouble. You look at what's what's going on in their next two. We'll get into it, but their next two games, oof, they're in trouble. All right, we'll do all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Tuesday uh, sports day. Let me tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services uh, is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. 
Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Sports Day, biggest sports YouTube network. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, We just wrapped things up with Sal Palantonio and Scott Lauber in our last segment. If you miss any of that, you can always go back and watch uh, Jacob sports YouTube channel. All right. Uh, let's start with last night's game, Derek. Uh, this was not pretty 24 to three Seattle puts it on the giants in North Jersey. Uh, this was a game where there was no Saquon Barkley before the game, which absolutely should be pointed out, which just completely changes the dynamic for that giants team. But um, the giants offensive line also banged up and just playing poorly. 
Daniel Jones was a sitting duck uh, to the tune of 10 sacks last night. It was ugly uh, as far as the offensive uh, you know, side. It looked like the Giants were driving down the field in the first series. And they got nothing out of it. And everything yes. after that was hideous. Um, I know a lot of people want to put a lot of the onus on Daniel Jones, and I get it. But this is much bigger than him. Um, th- this This Giants team coming into this game lived up to his billing. Number one a depleted offensive line, and number two, porous tackling. And all of those things came into play. Players playing out of position, players missing tackles, offensive line couldn't stop me and you coming off the edges last night. Um, And let's start at the top, the front office. Your offensive line was a weak link last year. How did you not better identify this in the offseason through free agency and the draft? Now, you, you picked up a few pieces in the draft, but you know, you look at a team like Kansas City. When Andy Reid loses a big-time offensive lineman, what do they do? They go out and they pay big money to get a replacement for whoever they lose. You know, the Giants, when you're trying to build upon what you shocked the world and did last year, which is the slip in the back door of the playoffs, which nobody expected, you identify what your weaknesses are and how you make them stronger. They didn't do that. Daniel Jones had – Rob, it got to a point in the game. I'm watching Daniel Jones take the snap. And watching his foot count one, two, three. He didn't even get the three before a white jersey was in his place grabbing at his shoulder pads and waist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dude took a beating. And I honestly felt I felt bad for Daniel Jones. I did too. Cable. That was my reaction as well. You know, I mean, I, I mean, dude, nobody should take a beating like that. I mean, he got beat to a point. I will say this though: Daniel Jones is one tough customer, man. He was like that ever-ready battery. What's that old commercial? Takes a licking, but keep on ticking. Yeah, Timex watch, yeah. Timex watch, yeah. I mean, this dude took a beating, and he didn't quit. I mean, you know, even a touchdown, the 97-yard pick, you know, did he throw it to a bad spot? Maybe. Did the receiver break the wrong way? We don't know for a fact. Right. But he thought the receiver was going to be in one spot. The receiver broke another way to the inside, which when you re-show the replay, the receiver broke right. But I think at that point, Daniel Jones took it, had taken such a beating. He heard the footsteps and just got rid of the ball before he took another shot. Yeah, hard, hard to blame him at that point. Uh, it, it was it, it was ugly. We're going to bring Tone up here in one second. But real quick, let me just give you with the Giants. The Giants at one and three now, right? So what they have next, boy, uh, oh, they, go, they go to Miami. Then they go to Buffalo. They're going to be one and five. They're, they're done. Giants are done, man. Now, the question is, can they dig themselves out of this thing long-term? We bring in our producer, Tone DeShields, now. Because Tone had some good numbers a little bit earlier contractually, uh, what's going on with Daniel Jones, because they committed to him in the offseason for sure. Tone, first off, what's up, man? Appreciate you hopping on. Oh, yeah, definitely, fellas. I appreciate you guys giving me, giving me the opportunity, as always. Look, D-Gun, I know you guys felt bad about Daniel Jones. I get it. You know, yeah. I understand it. You know, it, no one deserves to get their behind beat. But – but but listen, he's getting paid for his troubles, man. He 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 committed the ultimate heist of heists. And, and and let me just put it in perspective for you guys, right? Daniel Jones last year, or, or over the offseason rather, signed a four-year, one hundred and sixty million dollar deal, and he has a grand total of ninety-two million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. The Giants put themselves in a situation. I feel that way because. I firmly believe if they were to allow Daniel Jones to actually hit the open market and called his bluff, 
Nobody is nobody, no team and with their right minds would have given Daniel Jones 92 million guaranteed flat out. But let me give you some more details, right? So we know this is going to happen, but if the Giants out of nowhere decided to cut Daniel Jones this year, right? They would suffer an 81.5 million dollar cap hit. They are, they are chained to this guy from the hip. If they decided to cut him in 2024, they would they would then have to incur a 69.3 million dollar cap hit. Now this is where it gets a little easier for them. They have a potential out in 2025, right? In 2025, if they decided to cut him going into that season, they would have a dead cap hit of 22.2 million. They could potentially eat that with the cap going. Yeah. Yeah. And and then in 2026, obviously it gets better from that 11.1 dead cap hit. But you know the way I see the situation for the New York Giants is. I firmly believe that they got caught up in the whole running back vitriol in the offseason. Instead of looking at what their exact situation required, they was too busy trying to follow the trend. I understand the trend isn't to pay running backs big money. But if you're the New York Giants with a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who who depends heavily on a guy like Saquon Barkley, I have to prioritize the guy. I have to prioritize the engine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it's almost like you invested in – it's like invested in the car, but you forgot to invest in the gas as well. And I felt like they put too much money into the car and forgot they had to buy gas. And that's how I felt about that about that Giants offense. Saquon Barkley's the gas, Daniel Jones is the car, and right now he's riding on four flats. Mm. Yeah, but tell yeah I, I, I'm with you. Like, it's, it, you can't – not everything – you have to look at this – you can't look at it in a vacuum. Like your team, and, and and maybe, you know, Tone, here's where I go back and forth on this. Because the Giants may say, see, he can't stay healthy. You know, Saquon wasn't playing last night. He didn't play the game before. That's why we won't invest so much money in him. But it, the way that team is built, you're dead without him. But I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Gunner. Go ahead. No, but they paid market value. Uh, when you look at the numbers stacked up against the other quarterbacks that got paid this offseason, they paid market value for, for Daniel Jones. As a matter of fact, they paid less for him than some of the other quarterbacks. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to put Daniel Jones in the in the productive category of a, a Lamar Jackson, a Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, so on and so forth. But they, they paid market value for it. That was the market value for a quarterback. They got him cheaper. You know, the bottom line is they didn't do enough to build around him. You look mm-hmm. at how they went about their approach in terms of replenishing the wide receiver stuff that uh, covered. They went out, they re-signed a couple of their guys. Um, they, they brought in um, Paris Campbell, okay, mm-hmm. okay, receiver. And, and Daniel Jones, uh, uh, Brian Dable has said in the offseason, we want to be quicker off the line of scrimmage. Well, you got to bring in a big name wide receiver if you're going to do this, you know. You got to bring in somebody like a, a, a Medcalf, you know, like a big body, um, you know, somebody who can make a difference. You didn't do that. You got a lot of basically scat backs playing wide receiver. You know, right. a lot of guys are not going to win battles off the line of scrimmage in terms of hand-to-hand combat. And the biggest glaring travesty is you did nothing to address your offensive line deficiencies. You paid your quarterback the money, but you didn't do the necessary things to protect him. Jones didn't make it easy for him, though. Him and his representation didn't make it easy. They wanted their money today. And I'm all about a guy, I'm all about a guy getting their money. I'm never against a guy getting his cash, right? But once the season starts – Money's money is at the door now. Now we're talking about football. And the reality is the reality is Daniel Jones prioritized his paycheck before his safety. And I'm not mad at again, he gets paid to get hit like that. 
So I don't feel but so bad for him. But the Giants, I felt like they could have, they, as an organization, you have a responsibility to not only the players, but you have a responsibility to the team, the organization as a whole. And I felt like that decision to pay Daniel Jones that money at that time, I'm not saying they couldn't have paid him because I, I believe he was coming into and he was coming into his final year of his deal, right? Because right. no, a lot, no, as a matter of fact, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So that was the problem right there. I felt like that was where things went downhill. They didn't pick up his fifth year option because they felt like, well, we don't really expect this guy to take his game to another level anyway. Let's let him play one more year and then we'll go for a quarterback the following season. I think they got too gung-ho about what happened in 2022, about that playoff run and so on yeah. and so forth. And they didn't really look at what he really was. They should have picked up that option if they had any feeling that he could ball out. He didn't even really ball out, but they should have picked up that option. Picking up the option will always give you another year of decision-making. And that's where the ball was dropped. That's where everything started to go downhill. you got to pick up that fifth-year option. I also think we thought that that Brian Dable could just out scheme a lack of talent, and he did it to an extent last year. But that stuff starts to catch up to you eventually, and they don't have enough talent. You know, there there was a point last night where Darren Waller had a reception pretty early, and then he didn't get one until it was total garbage time in the fourth quarter. It's yep. like, what are you doing? You have no talent, very little talent to begin with. He's a guy you should be feeding, and I know easier said than done when you're under a pass rush like they were. But still, it's. I don't know, man. I think the Giants are in major trouble. You could be looking at them finishing last in the NFC East. I think Washington's better from what oh, I've seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They have more talent. They have more talent. That's a yeah. given. Compared to what we – based on what we saw last night, I think it's a given. They're going to finish last in the division. And, you know, I see – you know, offensive lines are glaring weakness. I saw – they just re-signed Justin Pugh, who was their first-round draft pick from 2013. So, already now, they're sending out an SOS looking for offensive linemen. Well, okay, that's nice, but it's going to take a, w- a couple of um, a couple of weeks before you get whoever you bring in. And I would imagine he's not the only offensive lineman they're going to bring in. It's going to take a couple of weeks before you can even mention the word cohesive unit. Oh yeah, you know. So you're going to take, and now you got to go through the rigors of playing Miami and Buffalo next mm-hmm. with this mess that you have after what Buffalo just did to Sam Howell and Washington. Are you kidding yes. me? Yep. Yep. Let me ask you guys this really quickly. I'm looking at the first part of the schedule that they already made it through. You know, Cowboys, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks. They're one in three, right? Did we did we really expect them to be anything else though? With 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 that four game slate, did we really expect them to be expect them to really be three? So, all right. If you're a playoff team last year, you should win that game last night at your place if you're healthy. Like I I I thought they'd be two and two. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. You know, but and I and I think Seattle. Look, Seattle's good too. I I, I don't want to take anything away from them. Seattle's yeah. good, um, and their defense has got a lot of good young players. It was a weird game. Like, it, a it was a bad game. Let's let's yeah. be real. We watched it because it was the only game on. If that was a Sunday and you had other <laughs> options, you're gone. But a couple things to to take note of in that game. One, it just sucks for Jamal Adams. The guy just yeah. came oh, back and oh. what the third play, whatever it was, he goes to make a tackle, gets hit in the head. You know, they did the right thing by him. Like, he, he wanted to get back out there, and he got angry at the independent neurologist. And all. And I get his frustration. I'm not knocking him. Yeah. But, but the, the, they had to protect him against himself. So that was the first thing. The other thing is, and Derek, I know you talked a lot about this guy leading up, but Witherspoon, the corner, is an absolute I like monster. I man, like he him, is a, He is a beast. Now, now, let me remind you guys also, uh, that, uh, that corner, Witherspoon, 
Illinois guy, played next to Sidney Brown. Yep. Yep. Those guys were recruited by Lovey Smith. Yep. Right. That Lovey Smith is one of the one, one of the best defensive minds the game has ever seen, and he has an eye for defensive talent. Right. You know, it's just you know I'm I'm just trying to put it in perspective for Eagles fans that you see what Willerspoon is doing. Right. You see how well adjusted he is. Right to the speed of the game. I think a guy like Sidney Brown, I'm not saying he's Devin Witherspoon, one guy played safety, one guy played corner, but they're both really physical guys, um, and they played a position with a lot of swagger and juice. Um, keep an eye on Sidney Brown and his development throughout the season. Those Illinois guys, man, they 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 played really well in college, and I just feel like the way they were coached up, um, you know, who they were recruited by, I just mm-hmm. feel like there's, a, you know, there, you know, yeah. the, the the well is not going to run dry there. I really yeah. feel like I really feel like Sidney Brown could potentially you know, be a really good player, a high quality player for Philadelphia. Yeah. You just, you, I would, the thing, the only thing I would worry about with both of the guys is he, he and Witherspoon. Boy, do they throw their body around, man. Like, yes. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, yeah. Witherspoon for a corner on the one play, just blew up a run play. And I'm like, is he all right? And he looked like he was all right, but whew, man, some hard hits out of both of those cats, man. That's for sure. Uh, Tone, good stuff, man. Thank appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Thanks. As always, fellas, I appreciate you guys. All right, brother. Uh, all right, so a couple other things, Gunner, from the game. Geno Smith was hot, hot Woo! after that late hit by Isaiah Simmons. Now, it wasn't called a late hit. He 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 perceived it as a late hit, but he he couldn't get out of it. I mean, the rest of the game, he was you know kind of out of his head a little bit after that one. That that could have been a serious injury when you look at how he was tackled. Simmons drug him down. That's why they outlawed the, the, the horse collar rule yes. years back. You look at how Simmons landed on his legs. Look at how his legs were bent. That could have been a, a serious knee or ankle injury to Geno. So I don't blame him. Plus, he was out of bounds. They didn't call it. Plus, he was out of bounds. You know, I, I don't blame him one bit for being hot because Geno Smith today could have been on IR for the rest of the year. Yep. You know, that's a dangerous play. And I understand – Part of that play is probably in frustration. The Giants are getting embarrassed on national TV. Defensive players are embarrassed, and if, and, and, and they made he made a move of frustration. But when you make moves of frustration, you end up injuring somebody, and all of a sudden you got to step before the mics. Uh, I'm not a dirty player. I'm not out here trying to hurt people. But you did. You got out of character. You did. Yeah. See, you got to be careful with that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Another aspect of that game. We talk about the Giants offensive line getting heat, rightfully so. Yep. Daniel Jones getting heat, rightfully so. I want to know from the from the New York media, how much are they raining down on Brian Dayball today? Because, Rob, the Giants are the only team in the NFL that has not scored a first-half touchdown this year. Right. So I, I agree with you, Derek. As much as we, we did it on the show a lot, we praised him. Thought he overachieved. Did a great job. Not so much this year. I'll, I'll say this too: we praised uh, what was his name, Shane, who who came over there as from from Buffalo. Uh, he was the assistant in Buffalo. Now he's the GM in in, in yeah. New York. I don't think he did a good job in the offseason either. I don't think no, Shane don't or Dable have done a good job so far. I, I don't either. Did they sit there and rest on their past laurels? Were they full of themselves, thinking we got the nucleus to do, do better? You know, you you got you got to the playoffs in spite of an offensive line that was identified as a weakness. Mm-hmm. That should have been a red flag right there. That's where you started this offseason. How yeah. do we strengthen our offensive line? That's where you should have started. After you gave Daniel Jones that money, the next uh, business priority was strengthening the offensive line. Yeah. You totally, totally neglected it. And now you're paying a price. 
Because just like we talk about the Eagles playing a tougher schedule, so are the Giants playing a tougher schedule. And, man, are you getting your hands – it all started with that Dallas game. Yeah. We, we did not see this coming. I honestly thought they had a good shot of beating Dallas at home in the season opener. Right. I My did, too. I, I did, too. Yeah. And it's not got any better since the Dallas game, if mm-hmm. you think about it. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you. So, they're, they're look, they're in big trouble. A uh, couple other odds and ends. Uh, fortunately for Pittsburgh, it looks like nothing serious. Diana Rossini of the Ringer is reporting nothing serious for Kenny Pickett. Uh, with that knee, uh, they're, they're, you know, Pittsburgh is, it's hard to figure out Pittsburgh. They they can look pretty good one week. And then last week they get handled by Texas, yeah. by Houston. Yeah. So, uh, but at least from that perspective, it doesn't look like it's anything serious there with him. Let's stay with the quarterback thing, Derek. Uh, yeah. It looks like Desmond Ritter is one more bad game away from the bench. Uh, mm. Arthur mm. Smith addressed it. He said, look, it is on all of us, but it's a performance-based league, and it doesn't matter what position you play if you're not performing. So it wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement, but he will get the start this this week. He had a bad game last week he in did. London against the Jags. Two picks. He had a fumble as well. He's had four turnovers in his last three games. So he's, you know, for a team that spent a lot of money in the offseason, they're not getting production out of the quarterback play or out of their quarterback, that's for sure. Well, you guys spent the offseason, meaning Atlanta, identifying Ritter as your quarterback of the present and the future. Um, and if you're saying that five games is enough sample to realize that maybe we made a mistake, what are you saying to that young man in terms of his long-term future with your organization? Yeah. Now, we'll say this. Sitting there waiting in the wings is Taylor Heineke. For whatever reason, this kid's a spark. Heineke is a spark plug. So now Ritter – based on what the owner has said, has been put on notice. Will that make him rise to the occasion? Will that make him go into a shell? We're going to find out in the next game. But you look at his overall numbers, he's completing 62%, not great. He's only He only has three touchdown passes and three interceptions. You know, his rating right now is sitting at 77.9. Those are not good numbers for a young quarterback trying to establish himself in the National Football League and as the present and the future of – your Atlanta Falcons football team. I just, as an owner, might have worded it a little bit differently. You already know the quarterback's under pressure, as it is. And he's young. And he's young. And he's young. I would have worded it maybe just a little bit differently um, because we're going to find out now how a young quarterback responds. Some rise to the challenge. Some get even more skittish because they're afraid to make mistakes, which hurts his overall game instead of helping his overall Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, all right. Beyond that, um, the Chiefs, and I mentioned this earlier, the Chiefs and the Jets drew 27.5 million, second most watched game. Let, let's stay with the injuries here. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, who was another one who's really shined, Derek, as a rookie, yes. um, was one of the bright spots in New England, but he's got a dislocated shoulder and he's going to miss some time too. So mm. the last thing they can afford is to lose guys who are making plays and playing oh, well. So he's, that stinks. Gonzalez was my second favorite cornerback coming out of the draft. Um, man, is he a player? Rangy player, good, good, solid tackler, yeah. good technique. Um, unafraid, you know what I mean? Unafraid. Like you could just tell guys who who don't feel overwhelmed yeah. at all. Not afraid to challenge and, and be combative. Um, I hope you know. Anytime you have dislocations like shoulder, they're tricky, man. They finish. They they feel good. Hey, look at Nolan Smith. What's he going through? You know, Nolan Smith still hasn't 
shown up much in, in the four games with the Eagles. Very quiet. Yep. How, how bad is his shoulder? You know, we mm-hmm. see it taped up. You know, the Eagles don't talk much about Nolan Smith and his shoulder issues. Okay. And I hate to see Christian Gonzalez fall in that category, but that's what that's what dislocate. You talk about dislocating shoulders. That's what you know. You can put a harness on that thing to a certain yeah. degree and stabilize it, but it's a concern for the rest of the season. Yep. Yep. All right. Tell me whether you agree or disagree with this. Jerry Jones says the road to the Super Bowl runs through the 49ers, not the defending NFC conference champions. 49ers, he did as he was on his weekly radio show with uh, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. And he said, bottom line is talking about their game this week against the Niners, which is the Sunday night game, which is the game of the week, no doubt. But he said, uh, bottom line is you're playing the best. You don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best, but you need the game to show you how you stack up against the best. Well, based on what Sal Pal just told us, he said San Francisco is the most complete team and the most complete defense on all three levels. Yep. You look at how they've played. You look at how they've gone about their business. Uh, they are very meticulous in what they do on defense, very meticulous on what they do on offense. I mean, Brock, Brock Purdy's completing 72% of his passes. Um, that defense is, is very complementary to each other, uh, very aggressive. Um, I don't know if I can definitively answer that question until we see the head-to-head collision with the Eagles. Hmm. You know, hopefully by then the Eagles will have smoothed it out. Whatever the uh, deficiencies they have on both sides of the ball, um, it's a very. I'm surprised Jerry went out on the limb and said that because if I'm a Dallas Cowboy, I'm like. What does he think about us then? <laughs> he says that. I mean, uh, uh, a- I'm telling you, man, it's great for us. But if I'm, if I'm the anybody in the organization, I'm like, oh, he's on today. Oh. Like, what what, I mean, what mess are we going to be cleaning up today, yeah, from I'm Jerry? Like, I'm like Jerry, really? You came yeah. out and said that. That's not a morale booster for your team, man. Yeah. What are you doing? And you got to play them Sunday night. I know. I what love it. You- keep keep talking, Jerry. Keep yapping, baby. Yeah. I told you. I've said this many times. During the football season, the, the Cowboys organization should lock Jerry in his office, take away his cell phone, his desk phone, and throw away the key until after the season. Don't let Good him luck. out. Good okay. luck. Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right, so we talked about this yesterday, but Justin Herbert does have a fractured finger on the left hand. Uh, shouldn't affect him in terms of, you know, still going out there. But we'll see how it – I mean, the thing is, I know we automatically just say, oh, it's his left hand. Who cares? He's taking snaps. Yeah. He's taking shotgun snaps yeah. from center, whatever you land on the hand. If you get knocked down to the ground, it, it's, it's not nothing. It's something to keep your eye on here with him. Yeah. Uh, there, there's there's going to have to be some alterations and modifications on, on the type of apparatus he has on that hand, especially when he puts it under center for the snaps, you know, uh, in the game we saw, it was a, like a metal metal type plate to stabilize. Yeah. Thing, a little, you know? little, little slant, slant yeah. or, uh, which you they're, they're going to have to have yeah. something that has a little bit more flexibility for him to grip the ball. Yeah. But you know what they're saying? As, the word. as long as that man doesn't have that, as long as nothing's wrong with that million dollar golden, golden arm that he has, hey, we just have to do what we have to do because we got to have him on the field, especially to get to where we, we're trying to go. No, look, he can, he can sling it with the other hand. That's for sure. Um, sure. All right. Uh, beyond that, uh, Jonathan Taylor back at practice this week. Actually, it'll be either today or tomorrow. I don't know what their schedule is, but he, he is going to practice this week with them uh, coming off the pup list. So now it's just a matter of Derek, do, do both sides just sort of settle down a little bit? Um, or is this just showcase city for him 
to be moved at some point before the trade deadline. I mean, Indy's playing better football than than we thought they were going to play. Of they're they're two and two. They just lost in overtime to the Rams, but considering not a lot of talent, they've they've done a nice job so far. Steichen has. Well, not a lot of talent on the offensive side, except they do have a really good offensive line. That young quarterback, Anthony Richardson, has really shined in, in a limited amount of games he's played in. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor's probably, probably saying, wait a minute, we're two and two? Let yeah. me hear him get back in here. Right, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe yeah. things change. Who knows, you know? But there's a story. There's a consistent story out there that Green Bay is one of three teams that are actively pursuing Jonathan Taylor. Mm. I don't know how realistic it is and what Indianapolis – obviously, Indianapolis wants a first-round pick. I don't know if any team's going to give up a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor. Right. especially because he's been injured, you know, over the last couple of years. But um, according to Shane Steichen, who said it twice yesterday, he's had several conversations with Jonathan Taylor. He's excited to be back. Can't wait to get back out there with his teammates. I don't know much of that as a smokescreen. You know, Jonathan Taylor hasn't said much of anything, and rightfully so. Um, can Jonathan Taylor get him to just focus? Because I do think if, if the Colts are a better team than we gave them credit for, all of us, um, you need a Jonathan Taylor in your backfield to make that offense that much more lethal. If that kid Anthony Richardson continues to progress the way he has so far, Colts are a team that nobody talked about making the playoffs. They might slip in the back door, especially in that division. In that division, that, yeah. ex- that's exactly right. That's the key. That that is a win. That thing is up for grabs, man. That division uh, for sure. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this. So Mark Davis, who's the owner of the Raiders, son of Al Davis. Yep. So he's walking by a group of Raiders fans last week, and they're all screaming for him them to fire Josh McDaniels. Oh, and he, he spun around and went like this to them and said, smarten up. In other words, we, we don't want him going anywhere. Right. I, I'm sorry. I'm a Raiders fan. I don't think that's that crazy. You know, ever they, they should have kept that Rich Basalia, who's now the special teams coach in Green Bay. Yes. He did yep. a nice job after Gruden's yeah. mess. But, you know, McDaniels hasn't done anything there. No. They may have been awful and underachieved big time. No, I, I think Mark Davis, um, I think in a couple of weeks, may have to re- uh, reevaluate this, especially if the Raiders contend. If the Raiders uh, continue on the current trend, um, you know, you, you look at Josh McDaniel, McDaniels, the first time he was NFL coach, didn't last long. He ran back to New England. I don't see much improvement in his overall persona in terms of how you run a team. Now, for a guy who was a brilliant offensive mind as an offensive coordinator in New England. Yeah. He can't seem to get it right from a head coaching perspective. And, you know, I thought this Raiders team would be a much better team overall. Obviously you can't figure in Chandler Jones going off the deep end the way he did. I mean, that That's affects true. a lot in that defense. Uh, but I, Josh McDaniel was really, you got Devontae Adams, you got Hunter Renfro. You, you've got one of the best young running backs in the game. And this is what you put out in the field. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I just, you don't, it doesn't feel like there's improvement there. You know, in no, fact, it's going the, it's going the wrong way. Uh, official Matthew Judon had the surgery on his biceps. Uh, so he had the bicep uh, tear. Uh, he hopes to come back at some point this season, uh, but, but you know, I, so I think two things on that one. I, I, if I'm him, dude, don't rush it. Make sure you're right. Number two, I don't think it's going to matter when he can possibly come back. New England's going to be cooked by that point. I, I agree. Um, obviously, he wants to be out there and play. I, I get it. Yeah. If it's a slight tear, I mean, if they're doing surgery on it, it's more than just a slight tear. 
Right. I can't, you know, bicep, t- I can't see him coming back this season. You know, everybody's healing process is, is different, but still, when you're talking about that biceps tear, I don't remember a player coming back the same season once you've torn that thing. You know? Yeah. If you, I think with the partials, sometimes, sometimes they can shut them down and yes. you can be okay. Yep. I mean, we're already, you know, it's, what is it? October 3rd. You know, I mean, November, December, three more months of the season. Can this guy get back in time? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, good stat here from, from our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBS uh, Sports. Uh, does a really good job covering the NFL. But he said uh, he ha- he did the numbers. He number crunched these, uh, Derek. So not to hammer the tush push thing, but just to emphasize how much better the Eagles do it than anybody else. So the Eagles are 10 of 11 this season on, on mm. what's considered a tush push slash quarterback sneak. The rest of the NFL is 49 of 71, which is 69%. Mm. That's a real drop-off. That's a big, big difference right there mm. in terms of success rate. Got to have the right offensive line, and you've got to have the right quarterback, man. You, you don't, There's not another quarterback in the league squatting 600 pounds. That push with his legs is as significant as the offensive line getting off in cadence and just pushing a defensive line back. That's huge. You. You can't just try it. Like we said last night, we've seen the Giants try it. That didn't come close to working. We saw it at least four or five times over the weekend. Didn't come close to working. Mm-hmm. There's more than just just a scrum a scrum bunch up yeah. uh, when you're talking about trying to efficiently uh, perfect that play. The Eagles have the perfect combination, a offensive line, a big offensive line, and a quarterback who has the lower body strength of a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty funny line from uh Byron Murphy Jr who's one of the Vikings quarterback uh cornerbacks they play yeah. the Chiefs this week they host the Chiefs and he was asked about the whole Taylor Swift thing uh and he's like oh man social media is going crazy I'm not hating against it that's the world we're living in is she going to come to the game this week we're locked in but that would be something I've been watching her since I was a kid that'd be cool for sure not for him because we're going to try to get our hands on him in front of <laughs> in front of her and he also said he wants to play the anti-hero because it's one of her songs. So, jeez, oh, Byron Murphy having a little fun. I, something tells me I, I I don't think we'll be seeing her in Minnesota. Do you? I, I think New York, yes. Maybe at the Chiefs games at home. I don't think so beyond that. I th- well, you know, I think I think Minnesota because it's a dome. It's not like you have to sit outside. And right. this is that change of season in Minnesota. That's it's true. true. Uh, Minnesota State is a great football environment, no question about it. Yeah, I think any and every opportunity that she has to be on TV and camera, um, she's going to be there. It's only enhancing her her notoriety. Not that she needs any, sure. but I'm, I'm sure there's a new song coming out somewhere down the road about her experiences around NFL stadiums and, of course, Travis Kelsey. Uh, you yeah. know it's coming. Right. You know it's coming. Oh, it's coming. As soon as the breakup happens, man. Thank oh. you, Travis. Look out, my friend. Um, all right, let's come back. We'll hit a bunch of different things, uh, Derek. We got uh, some NBA stuff I want to I want to throw at you. I'll set you up for the schedule for uh, baseball today with the, all the four wildcard games today. Uh, Phillies are the, the nightcap. But we'll do all that. We'll do birthdays. We'll do movies. We'll swing it back to the Eagles as well. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. 
when they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Thanks for hanging out. We are Sports Take. He is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We got you until the top of the hour. All right, Gunner. So a couple uh, basketball-related notes. There's no surprise with this one. Uh, but I guess Houston addressed it for the first time at their media day yesterday. But Kevin Porter Jr. is no longer a rocket. Uh, you remember the, the the alleged story of him, uh, physical abuse against his girlfriend, who was also a WNBA player uh, for a period of time. Uh, he's got a he's got a track record of some bad stuff. And uh, this was just the latest. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening. It now, now it's in the league's hands. Um, he's got a unique contract that's structured such that 
even if they were on the hook, I don't think he, there's very little guaranteed money for him, but I would think that this would go under the clause of conduct un, uh, you know, detrimental to the team and that kind of stuff where yeah. they could probably get out of it. So that's where things are with him and them. Um, I don't understand. And, 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 and I guess this goes along the lines of any field, whether it's a professional sport or um, whether or not, you, you rise up the ladder of success in a corporate entity. You, you fight tooth and nail to get to this, that spot. You sacrifice a lot. You fulfill a dream to be as successful as you can be. And then you go out of character and do things that you know are going to be held against you and going to cost you. And in many cases, you may never recover financially from this. First and foremost, I don't have respect for any guy that, that physically abuses a woman. As, as, as a husband and as a father, two of my three kids are daughters. I don't have any respect for a man that, that, that physically just abuses a woman, yep. first of all. Secondly, what are you thinking? What are you thinking now? Because as a professional athlete, when your days are done, your days are done. You know, you can't relive that moment. Father time does not move backward. It continuously moves forward. Yeah. So for, the young man needs help first and foremost, you know, somebody needs to grab him, hold him, embrace him and get him the help that he needs. Secondly, uh, first of all, for, secondly, you should not be allowed to play a sport until you handle your business off, off the field, off the playing surface. Okay. You obviously have issues. You know, when you feel you have to do what you've done to get to this point, you have issues that you need to address. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Yep. So, um, the thing it's, is, it's a privilege, not a right. And when you commit well, these yeah. alleged, alleged, yeah. if it comes, if it turns out that you actually did this, goodbye, goodbye, buddy. See ya. Absolutely, um, for sure. All right. So, uh, Lonzo Ball. What happened, remember? what happened to Ray Rice? Prime example to Ray Rice. Yep. No matter how much he apologized, and he got the necessary help, did all the community things. Never played football again. That was it. League wouldn't touch him. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lonzo Ball, who, uh, it, Gunner, he's had all kinds of knee issues, um, of late and had surgery again, will be out again for this season, but says, you know, I'm not done playing basketball. I'm only 25 years old. I shall return. Okay. I mean, look, I, I, I would hope he would come back. I don't know when you miss this much time and you have the, the, the amount of surgeries he's had on that knee. I don't know. Uh, I hope for his sake he can come back, but I, I, I'm a little leery uh, of that happening for sure. I, I agree. He's a phenomenal young talent. Um, to me, this falls into the category of degenerative knee issue. How many surgeries has he had on knees now? You know, he's had a, he's now had a third operation. So he he's halfway through rehab on a cartilage transplant, which uh. is never when you hear those words, it's never good. In March, no. the third operation on his left knee in a little more than a year. Oof. And this, so he was the second overall pick in the 17 draft. This, he will miss his second consecutive season this year. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot uh, of this time. I, um, I think the prospects of him, even, you know, we always talk about how young people heal a lot quicker than, than older people when you get older. And I hope somehow, some way he comes back. But if you've had your third operation already and you're still a young man, um, you know, look look at what happened to uh, who was who was the uh, the football player um, the Eagles had uh, Miles Jack. 
you know, yeah, Miles Jack, he came out of college with this degenerative knee problem. Right. That's why he dropped in the draft. Uh, he had a couple of good years in Jacksonville, but that knee issue resurfaced again. Eagles brought him in. He gave up. He said, that's it. He can't body physically can't do it anymore. And he's still a young man, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I hope somehow, some way he can, this young man can come back. I just don't think he's ever going to be what he, he was. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he, he had turned into a really good defensive player. He had his, uh, his jump shot had improved that kind of weird, you know, shooting motion that he had or whatever. Uh, he had improved there. Certainly. I mean, the youngest one is the, of the ball brothers is the one who's taken yeah. off the middle one yeah. Uh, yeah. has, has tried. He's sort of been on the fringe, unable to, to, to quite get in the, uh, the NBA game. Uh, all right. So let me give you, let me give you the baseball playoffs for today, Derek, with the wild card round. There's four games today. Okay. We know the Phillies are at eight o'clock, but the first game yep. is Texas and Tampa. That's a really good game at three o'clock. Will you watch it? I will. Okay. I have other things to do later this afternoon, but I'll have it on as I'm doing stuff. I will definitely Same have here. it on. Yeah. Same here. Yep. Um, Toronto and and the Twins uh, will be the four thirty game. Um, I would say probably the game I'm least interested in of the four would be that one. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'll watch it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I know you'll be locked in at seven with Arizona at Milwaukee tonight. Uh, that's going to be a good pitching matchup too. And you got Corbin Burns uh, on the mound for the Brew Crew. So that's, I want to uh, see, see if the Brewers pitching staff can handcuff this Arizona lineup. I really do. because they're going to have to because you know the Brewers don't aren't going to give you a ton of offense. So no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, it's going to be all no. about the pitching. All right, let me let me ask you. Let's just stay on this for a minute because the Phillies are eight o'clock. I, I feel like uh, I'm going to go seven innings, two runs for Wheeler. What, what do you what do you feel in here with Wheeler? Oh, I like that. Seven innings, two runs, and let's say 102 pitches. Okay. Seven that, I mean, innings. that way you only have to you got to get the eighth and the ninth here. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, seven innings, two runs, maybe six hits at the most, and 102 pitches. I think that would be an incredible outing. Now, once you go to the bullpen, that's where you have to cross your fingers. Who is Rob Thompson going to go to out of the bullpen? Because as we know. Mm-hmm. Against certain opponents, we've seen it too many times. Philly, I'll give you my guess. Here's my guess, Gunner. If if it's if it's like all righties coming up in the eighth, it'll be Kimbrell. Okay. If it's kind of a mix or a lefty or two, it'll be Alvarado, and then Kimbrell gets the ninth. I, I think he's playing it by ear with the matchups. It's mm. a toss up if you got righty, lefty, righty, lefty. Then then I don't. He can go either way with it. But I think ideally. He, it, it could be either one of those two. I don't think he wants to use anybody else in a closing setting. What I'm going to be really interested in is how confident he is in, in Kettering and how confident he is in Hoffman. Because we had Scott Lauber on earlier, and he said he'll, he'll use those guys in high leverage. That I'm interested in. If if you get seven out of Wheeler, yeah, who do you go to? Do you go to Hoffman? Do you go to Alvarado? Who do you go to? Alvarado. To I'm going Alvarado and then Kimbrel if the matchups are 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 right. Yeah. Even though I said earlier in the show, um, Alvarado scares me because he takes too many pitches to get to his final destination. Yep. His last two outings, you know, he starts out great. And all of a sudden, you look up, the bases are loaded, and then all of a sudden, he gets a pop up or a ground out to get out of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow, I'm not as confident in Alvarado as you are. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, look, he is nerve wracking. And, and you know, the, the leadoff walk, you're just sitting there saying, I mean, you know, it's going to bite you. You just know yeah, it. And, yeah. and look, Kimbrough will do that, too. 
You know, yes. Yes. Um, I'm hoping this extra rest for Kimbrell make is a game changer. But uh, you know, I, I, like I said to you, as far as Nola goes and as far as the bullpen goes, I, it's Wheeler and really not much else that I feel like locked in on. That's it. Another thing that concerns me about this. The Phillies are are, are are sweet free swinging bunch. They love to go after first pitches. Okay. Yep. They, you know, every time you look up, they have twelve strikeouts, thirteen strikeouts, ten strikeouts. Um, I want to see them be a little bit more disciplined at the plate, especially if they're protecting a one run lead or if it's an even score late in the game. Work a pitcher, make a pitcher throw extra pitches. You know, you, you've already got the mental advantage, the psychological advantage. A pitcher is afraid is afraid of your lineup one through nine. There's not a weak link. Don't help them by going after the first pitch, beating it in the dirt, popping it up. You know, you, you're helping these pit, you, and you're giving that opposition more confidence that they have a chance to win this game. Yeah, it's the same thing with the Marlins. The Marlins are a free swinging group. They'll swing at the first pitch. They don't care. They just swing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. But the Phillies, you got to be a little bit more disciplined. You've been down this road before. Marlins weren't there last year. You know what it takes to go deep to where you want to go. Yeah. Do not help this. This don't help the Marlins out because they do have a really good pitching staff. Don't help they them do. out. They do, and 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 patience is your is your friend here because the Phillies have the ability to steal bases. They have ability to play some yes. small ball yes. this year that they maybe didn't have last year. So yeah, just don't you don't need to swing from your shoes. Just just stay within yourself. And yeah, they, 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 I hope that's the approach. I don't know. I mean, I think with with Castellanos, sometimes he gets away from himself a little bit. Uh, and, and tries to just drive the ball. But, you know, Harper has been pretty good with that this year. Stott's very good with using all fields. Bohm's really good with using all fields. Uh, Trey, since he got right, has been good at that. So I feel good about the Phillies offense. I do. I think that's a I really do. tough lineup. Yeah, I do. I think yeah. they have, I, I think outside of the Braves, they have the toughest lineup. No question they have the toughest lineup in the National League, and that, that includes the Dodgers Yeah, from one yeah. through nine. I mean, Absolutely. you look at what the – you look at what the Braves have done this season. What the Braves have done one through nine is sick. Nah. You know, no, no lineup compares to that. None. I mean, they got eleven guys. They got eleven guys uh, hitting double digit home runs. They have four guys well over thirty three homers. Yeah, you got one guy with fifty homers. I mean, that lineup is sick. It's crazy. It you is. Know. I agree with you. But don't, uh, don't help the Marlins out. Don't give them con- unnecessary confidence. No, and I, the other thing I'm be really curious is how loud the crowd can get, and if the crowd can get to Lazardo, and then tomorrow night. Braxton Garrett, two younger, not, not, they're not 22, but younger guys in in this setting, you know, for, for the first time, not not that they haven't faced the Phillies, but in a playoff setting at, at Citizens Bank Park. Um, All right, let's go birthdays. Let's do some birthdays here, D-Gun. Gwen Stefani, singer, uh, formerly no doubt, uh, is 54. Looks good for 54, does Gwen. Absolutely. No question. Uh, ASAP Rocky, who is, uh, Baby daddy with Rihanna. I don't think they're married, but they have children together. Uh, ASAP Rocky. You should be working for the National Enquirer. Dude. Thank you. Uh, all right. I'm, here, here comes a pronunciation issue. Uh, Zlatan Abramovich, the, the great soccer, the great footballer, is 42 years old. I have no idea if I just butchered that. I'm sure I did. Better you than me. <laughs> Tessa Thompson, who is 40 today, is excellent in the Creed series. Yes. She is Michael B. Jordan's uh, wife in that. She's awesome in it. And the uh, Thor movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's yeah, That's right. Yeah, man, she she's hooked on to some pretty good franchises. I'm telling for you. Sure. Good for her. Uh, Nev Campbell, 
back in the day, Party of Five, Wild Things, a bunch of other stuff, 50 years old. Okay. Yeah, yep. Scream, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Lena Headley is 50 years old, the actress. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, the, the guitarist and singer, passed away in a, in a plane crash years ago. He was born on this day, 1954. Uh, Sean William Scott, who was a Stifler in uh, American Pie and a bunch of other things, um, is 47 today. His favorite role, my favorite role of his is still opposite of rock, uh, the rock in the rundown. The rundown. That movie, I love that movie, man. He's really good in that. Uh, Clive Owen, the actor, is 59 years old today. Great actor. He is. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac fame and solo yep. work is 74. Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, drummer, uh, former yep. Mrs. Pamela Anderson, Mr. Pamela Anderson, is 61 today. <laughs> and Mr. Heather Locklear. He's, he's, had, uh, he's had an interesting go. All right. Uh, Gore Vidal, the, uh, the author, is, was born on this day, 1925. Chubby Checker still with us, I think, Gunner, at 82 uh, years old. Where is, is he still? He's 82. Yep. Chubby Checker's 82 today. Jack Wagner, the actor, soap operas and you know, singer, is 64. Bruce Arians is 71 today. Black mm-hmm. Thought of the Roots is 52. Uh, Dave Winfield, the great Dave Winfield, 72 yes, years old today. Hall of Famer, Dave Winfield. Fred Couples, speaking of great, great golfer, 64. Dennis Eckersley, 69 today. Some, some good athletes in this uh, birthday. Anquan Bolden, 43, as we keep the the athletes. One of the best here. slot receivers ever. Tough. Uh, converted quarterback, big dude. Uh, really took to that position, man. That's for sure. Uh, all right. Who else do you have? Asante Samuel Jr. is 24 today. Okay. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, first-round pick of the 49ers, is 26 today, defensive tackle. Yep. Uh, you, you should remember this one. Gary Neal. Play for LaSalle. Oh, yeah. Uh, was dismissed after a couple of years because of rape allegations. Yep. He was uh, acquitted and then finished his uh, collegiate career at Towson. Yes. University, I believe it is. Uh, yep. He's 39 uh, today. Uh, Janelle Maloney uh, from the show The West Wing, 54 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Tracy uh, was was a prominent had a prominent role on the old Little House in the Prairie series, was born on this day in 1952. Uh, Ashley Simpson is 39 today. Uh, Ricardo Mayorga, uh, two-time world boxing champion in the lighter weights, uh, is 50 today. Okay. Uh, Kevin Richardson, uh, one of the original members of the Backstreet Boys, uh, is 52 today. Uh, let's see who else we got. Mike Gusecki, tight end for New England, is 28 today. Tim Boyle, Jets backup quarterback. Uh, is 29, and former Eagles second-round pick Eric Rowe is a free agent right now. He's 31 today. Had a heck of a career uh, after he left here. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Derek, says that James Harden didn't practice at Colorado State on Tuesday, but he's expected to arrive in Colorado as soon as today Uh for training camp. (laughs) And here we go. Real. (laughs) And here we go. Nick Nurse and the Sixers are like, um, oh, please just stay me. wherever you are. We, we're good. I know. I know. All right. Uh, quickly, as we're up against it here, we'll go through the movie School of Rock 2003, Gone Girl 2014, Lost in Translation, also 2003, as was Out of Time 2003. Got any other movies? 
The movie Annabelle came out in 2014 about that doll. I don't watch movies with dolls. I'm done dolls with freak me out, man. Yeah, I'm done with that. Speaking of dolls, The Cult of Chucky. Another one I did not watch. Yeah. Uh, after the first one, I said, that's it. Uh, 2017. Uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Cute movie, 2008. And Riptide, 2017. Okay. All right. That'll do it. That is it for today. Uh, good show. A lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow, we'll look back at the Phillies game one, look ahead to game two, and uh, get you further set for the uh, for the Eagles and the Rams in Los Angeles. So tomorrow, they get back to practice, so we'll have a better idea where things are with some of the injuries and some other things. We'll also know, Derek, if Cooper Cup is practicing yes. uh, for the Rams. So we'll, we'll get into all that kind of stuff. Remember, we're 11 a.m. now to 2 p.m., so if you, if you just set that those notifications in the – and the clock notifications in your head like I do. But appreciate everybody in the chat. Of course, Tone did a, did a great job as well, hopping on with us a little bit earlier. Hey, Tony Shields. Thanks, Tone. Appreciate, appreciate it. Bro. Uh, thanks to everybody for streaming and listening. Don't go anywhere. National Football Show with Dan Cilio is coming your way next. Derek and I are back same time tomorrow. All right, so everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.